Out from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Aloha Friday, the sports animals again this morning on the Bobby Curran Show here on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories we're uh, getting into today in the NFL. Deshaun Watson uh, will not be punished uh, this week, maybe next week. It's been 29 days after his hearing. I actually feel a little bad for Cleveland for having to deal with this as camp has opened. They've got to know what they're going to be dealt with. It's pretty sad. Speaking of training camps, uh, Hawaii's Marcus Mariota performing very well in Falcons training camp so far. No surprise he's named the starter. Hopefully he'll have success in September, too. And I think there's a lot of questions on that team. I'm glad, I'm glad he's there, and hopefully he'll help them win. And in a story on uh, the Star Advertiser today, it looks like the stadium, now the new target date. Uh, well, the target date for the stadium is now 2026. They're not even going to begin construction for at least a year. What a depressing way to start the morning when you see that and to see that it's going to be more than a year from now, which would be late 2023. I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to open up in 2026. I'm sorry. That's just by recent history and past the past. I just don't like it. Well, we don't have really a recent history with the stadium, do we? And I just this, think, I'm guessing. Look, I'm going to look at it this way. I'm going to – you just think what? I'm sorry. A construction pro, big construction projects here. And I guess – I mean, I'm looking at the rail. Oh, I know yeah. it's going to be different. It's going to be a private company here. Things that you wait – I just I just don't trust it. And I'm just going back to what Keith Amamiya even told us the other morning. Just that one statement. Who knows if it will even be done on time. And now we get this this morning from Dave Reardon's column that it's going to be at least a year. Again, that's late 2023. What we heard months ago was early 2023. For the breaking ground right you know and i'm trying I'm, I'm trying to look at this for once it, instead of just being negative i'm not you know i'm not coming at you i'm just saying you know what let me try and look at this a little differently so one of the reasons that uh, one of the things that that i question is that this stadium is going to take what eight months to uh eight months for the bidders to come up with their their bids the yes. request for proposal um it's going to take these guys eight months and even somebody on the board was like what why eight months and i guess okay so you've got the stadium itself and then you've got the all the all the outside stuff as well so if it's a housing and shopping centers whatever it is it's going to go to two separate people so i guess you come up with the uh you know the outside stuff and then now you got to come in and and say okay this is what we're going to do to build the stadium and this is how it's going to fit again eight months seems a long long time 
what I didn't, you know, one of the things, and, and I'm just looking at this, it's an article by Dave Reardon. I'm just looking at um, one of the one of the comments. I don't know if it was Ryan Andrews or Mike McCartney. Okay, so Mike McCartney is a stadium is a stadium authority um, board member, and the environmental impact statement. His quote is: "We know the EIS is urgent." But the way the governor, Governor Ige has taught me is to do it good, to do it good, so we don't have to do it again. We want everyone to be on the same page. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you need four months or whatever it is to do an environmental impact statement. I'm not an expert on this, neither are you or most of the people probably listening. But it just seems like a long time to. To, to get it together, one of the comments in the Star Advertiser's section is, look, they made Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas in two and a half years. The thing is beautiful. It's one of the nicest stadiums the NFL has ever seen. Two and a half years. And we're like, well, okay, let's see. It's going to be uh, four years. Well, make that, uh, you know, three years. No, make that four years. I don't know. I get it. We, you know, it's you have to – I get that you have to – ship everything over here but does that make how much longer does that make the process you would think they would take care of that if they know they have this date to break ground and this date to start construction no matter how long it takes to ship they should plan accordingly and have it ready for when they break the ground but if they're going to break ground let's say it's august let's say it's september 1st of 2023 that's that's three years before the stadium is supposed to open. And you just mentioned Las Vegas is in two and a half years. I don't have faith doing the math that our stadium, if it started on time, if they can actually start breaking ground a little over a year from now, that almost the same time frame as the NFL stadium in Vegas will be completed here. I just, I'm just i not confident about that. Uh, you know what? I, I want to I try and give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Okay. For yeah, once, sure. maybe, they, maybe Ryan Andrews and his gang, well, it's not really up to them. It's Ryan Andrews is the is the 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 head of the stadium, but you know what? Could it be maybe they do know what they're doing? Maybe that the they're under such scrutiny by so many people, such a big part of the population that maybe they'll pay attention and get this thing done. Can, can you make four mo- eight months needed for this into four months? Can you take four months needed for this into two months? You can do things right and do it in a timely fashion. It's like, oh, well, uh, the governor tells me the, the, the way to do it is do good the first time. You know, if you do good the first time, why you can still do good. It shouldn't have to take four months. That's a long time. I, I know those time frames are a little bit more than I thought we had, especially when we've already seen the artist's rendering of what it's supposed to look like. You're still going through the proposals for eight months and every EIS, as you said. I guess part of my lack of confidence also, Chris, is that when I see, not only in Hawaii, but mostly here because I spend 99% of my, of my time here, anything that's supposed to be built and open, whether it's a store, a restaurant, any kind of facility, and they say opening in spring of 2021. Now, I know COVID had something to do with part of that, but anytime 
forever that I've been here. It's always a year later, six months. It's never on time. I, I'd rather have I them give I don't know if I agree with that, Gary. I mean, I think that David Matlin and the guys at University of Hawaii did a great job with T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. It's beautiful. It was open on time. And uh, they got it done. There's other projects that I don't see. I don't want to fit everybody in this industry into one hole like they don't know what they're doing. Because I, I think there are very good people out there. It's and, and that's why I want to give these guys a benefit of the doubt. It doesn't always turn bad. We knew it took longer than usual for the H3. Maybe that was because they kept digging up bones. We know that it uh, when they built the UH softball stadium, they had to redo it because you couldn't see home plate. And the rail is the rail, right? But there's yeah. been a lot of successful projects. I think building Les Murakami Stadium, one of the most beautiful baseball stadiums at the time and still to some in the country. We've done a lot of really, really nice projects here in the state of Hawaii and done, you know, and, uh, and it hasn't taken forever. Yeah, I'm not going to say 100% of them, but a lot but of you, them. But you, but you, you, that's why you're, I don't, I want to make sure that yeah. folks get away that it's, that it's you saying that everything takes a long time. And it, and of course, really I'm good. exaggerating. And you know what? I'm, I'm not going to question the people in charge. They know what they're doing. They're in those positions because of a reason. What I'm saying is that it seems like whenever you're giving a time frame for an estimation of when something will open, more times than not, it's open later. And I wish, I, th I think some of these projects, they're trying to have people be confident and think positively, so they give them a time frame that's the earliest hopeful start date or opening date as opposed to the long term date if things maybe whether it's a weather concern or money or shipping it seems like it, everything just op opens up later and I, again i'm not blaming the people involved at all but i think it, it just seems part of the deal. like every okay it seems like everything ev the word everything okay. opens up later and i'm saying that's not true i'll it's go to 90 percent of what i've observed okay all right but and, okay, I, I, you know I'll disagree with that, but okay. we can move on. Tanner Hayworth is texting us something, and Tanner, I I don't have time to consume this while we're talking on the air. Why don't you jump in? Well, I think my initial confusion is that I remember reading a Brian McInnes's original report on the Hawaii Spectrum News, and that saying that construction wouldn't have begun until mid to late 2023 already, which would finish in late 2025. So with that being said, that means the stadium wouldn't even have been ready for the 2025 season. Is this not still the same wait time, except maybe we're seeing it more closer to the 2026 fall season than we would have probably liked it to be? Mm, I'm going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, up, he's up one nothing already. <laughs> buy, 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 buy. Or sell. <laughs> I hope, but even that time. Yeah, you know what? That 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 makes sense. It's just it, it's okay if it was done in late 2025, it wouldn't be ready for the 2026 season. I get it, but I just the fact is that the timeline seems like it seems like it keeps moving. I think that's what's bothersome to uh, sure. people. Thank you, Tanner. Right, and and that was my main point. That the timeline seemed to be moving. I'm not surprised by it. I'm not. I mean, we've just seen this happen. And again, it's not every single project, but it seems like a lot of them are more often than not in my experience. And I don't keep total track of them. But what experience do you have in observing buildings? In case, you know what it, you know what it really is going up. The, the new Whole Foods. Uh, how long is that going to take? Come oh, on. you know what? Seriously, what it is like, I'll give you an example. I went to. I, went to, I forget what mall I was at. It might have been Pearl Ridge. And the sign of some establishment, that was the place was closed, and it said, something new, 
coming soon. Oh, it had big letters, coming soon, and I wanted to see what it was. And below it, it just said something new. <laughs> I tell you what's coming there at all. But a lot of those stores Okay, you, you understand that that's, that that's something that the malls have to cover up the windows. It's just a generic thing they have. At the malls, if there's an empty store, they cover it up so you don't see all the junk inside. It's something generic they put in front of all of the stores, in so, all of the malls, sometimes when there's a, a vacancy. They'll have a sign saying, coming soon, blah, 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 is coming, you know, spring or whatever. I've seen the actual right, name of the place. and that's not put up by the mall. That's put up by the, the, the store. Okay, well, there's it doesn't matter who puts it up. I see those signs, but I see those signs, and I, I have kept track of some of the places that were supposed to open for food. And I, I know this sounds funny, but I have seen them, and almost none of those places in malls for food have opened when they say they're going to open. But that has nothing to do with the state. I'm talking about the state. I'm, the, the I'm state just talking about construction projects. isn't opening up the new ro Raising Canes in Pearl City that just opened. The state has nothing to do with that, unless it's a permitting process or something like that. But... I think you're you're getting off a little bit on, and let's keep it to what we're talking about instead of mall <laughs> stores opening in malls. I'm just saying that I'm saying that you know you're saying through your experience, ninety percent of the projects are take too long, take later than what they when they say they will open. Yes, mm. I, I just I I just don't think that is the case, and I don't have any anything to back it up, but. I, I do agree, big projects here seem to take a long, long time. And again, we face, being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, we face a lot of, we face a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, obstacles mm. that they're not going to face in Las Vegas, or they're not going to face in Oklahoma or other places. What I kind of have fun with is reading the, reading the comments from the star advertiser readers. Um, let's see, this one says, Coach Timmy will have moved on after a few successful seasons, and will be back to con will be back to contemplating the possibilities of having an almost eighty-year-old head coach in June Jones or a forty-something-year-old Craig Stutzman. Good luck, Hawaii. We're gonna need it. That was uh, uh, here's one. I heard the TV debate. Oh, I missed it. There was a TV debate. I missed it. Uh, it says uh, Kai Kahele wants wants this to be stopped. He envisions yes. some small stadium in Kapolei, I believe. He only wants low-income rentals in the area of the current stadium. I didn't know that. I've heard that where, before. Where, where, where was the, where was the uh, debate on? I, I like to watch those. It's there was one I like on, to watch the Democrats go at each other. There was fun. one on Monday called the job interview. I believe they just took one candidate in the room like they were interviewing. No, 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 last night. Last night. I didn't know, I didn't know there was one last night. Oh, okay. Anyway. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, Forget all the extras and focus all energies on a new stadium itself, period. Nothing else. Do it right. At least 50,000 seating capacity, preferably more. <laughs> Here's where I got the comment. Allegiant Stadium came up in two and a half years and is a beautiful city. There's absolutely no reason why, the pro with the proper focus, the same thing cannot happen here. I wonder, do you think it's a lack of focus? I think it's just a lack of, we take a long time to do stuff. I, that's exactly how I feel. I don't think it's a lack of focus. They're smart people here, of course. Of course. They focus, but they just take their time. <laughs> you know why? Because a lot of these people aren't held accountable. Good point. And right. the politicians aren't held accountable. You know, the guy, who, who messed up, you know, who, the question I asked, don't even mention any names. This might be not right to do during a political time, but... I mean, who messed up on the whole bill t taking an extra year to get this underway? 
yet we're going to vote him into office, right? Yeah, He's right. up for re-election, and, well, he's the most recognizable, so I'll just vote him in. <laughs> it's partially our fault, folks. Partially our fault. It's 16 minutes after the hour on this Aloha Friday morning. I was, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of people from Hawaii uh, in the national spotlight that are great representatives of Hawaii. One of the first uh, people that comes to mind is a, a Max Holloway, right? Sure. Um, I remember back in the day, in the 90s, when Jason Elam was kicking for the Denver Broncos. You make a big field goal, he's holding up a big shaka sign, and he's running across the field. Now, you know, the, 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 the mainland people, they've stolen our shaka, right? I mean, you see it in all aspects yeah. of sports and in life. Everyone's, like everyone's uh, flashing the shaka. Uh, but back then, it was like it was very special to see. Yesterday on the Golf Channel's um, broadcast of whatever Rocket Mortgage Tournament, oh. Mark Rolfing, who is Mark Rolfing, who I'd, I'd love to get on this show. Um, he's, you've heard him numerous times with Bobby. He's from Maui. And uh, he's one of the most respected voices in the golf broadcasting. But he uh, mentioned yesterday that, hey, it's Aloha Friday tomorrow morning. They're going to make the cut. I thought, you know what? That's so cool. They had a little mini conversation mm-hmm. on Aloha Friday. I said, good for you, Mark Rolfing. Way to go. Way to go. Anyway, hope you're going to have a gr- hope you'll have a great Aloha Friday. More of the sports animals on National Chicken Wing Day <laughs> coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296 1420. Yes, it's National Chicken Wing Day. Here in America, we eat about 290 chicken wings per year. And some eat some eat that much just on Super Bowl Sunday, but happy <laughs> yeah. National Chicken Wing Day on this Aloha Friday. Not something I'm a big fan of. I, I haven't had any of those in a couple of years, but I did celebrate National Hamburger Day only because you brought it up yesterday. So thank you for that. Getting back to the stadium, I, I, and in, in Dave Reardon's article today, it mentions how it's 30,000 seats, and I've seen that recently as well. Has that changed in the last year or two? Or Because I thought I remember hearing 35,000 seats, unless it's 30,000 with a chance to expand. That might not be a major difference, but as far as attracting big events, I don't know if that'll be a big difference maker, but that's not a very big stadium for concerts and motocross and stuff like that when you're bringing everything from the mainland and you're probably going to have less than 30,000 seats if you're not selling tickets backstage or for whatever event's going on. I I just wonder, again, and I said this years ago, and I know I was wrong with saying I think they need to get a 50,000-seat new stadium. That's not going to happen. I understand that. But 30,000 does seem a little bit on the low side. So I'm just wondering if that number has changed recently. But that, I thought, was interesting uh, takeaway. Also, this is something that people have brought up over the last year or so. According to the uh, article, at the end of this year, they will have an online auction of Aloha Stadium memorabilia, including seats. And I know mm-hmm. there were several listeners, you know, writing about that or even on Twitter and on our show over the last year, hoping that would take place. So that'll be interesting that people can get some souvenirs from the stadium once they start. Well, I guess they're not going to have any events inside there. They're going to have a New Year's Eve concert in the parking lot that was approved. But that's going to make a lot of fans happy that they can get a seat as a souvenir if they want. Maybe some. Do you think they'll sell out? Do you think they'll sell out 50,000 seats? 
that I doubt. I would doubt offhand. I wonder I how much. I wonder how much the seat would cost. Yeah. It, I'm. Uh, you know. I, you know what I want? I want a little piece of a rusted beam. That's what I want. <laughs> that's more. That's more. That's that's something with a real story behind it, right? I that's guess. something you pass on to your grandkids, and they pass it on to theirs. They go, "Old uh, Pappy, way back in the two thousands, gave this to us. It's a rusted beam from Aloha Stadium. That would be awesome." But I mean, what else could you? Really, you only have seats, and you have rusted beams. What else could you sell from Aloha Stadium? I mean. The, what we see in the uh, beneath the stands by the offices there is some really nice souvenirs like helmets and jerseys. That's not going to be something are, to be auctioned are, off. I believe those are Scott Chan's helmets. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, so I know that, in his office. I would doubt any of office. that would be up for fans to purchase. Yeah, I don't think you're going to buy a concession oh, office stand. office furniture. Line. Sure, why not? Office Sell furniture. the office furniture. <laughs> I could use another chair. I've been sitting in this chair since the pandemic started. It's starting to sag. I need a new chair. This is from the – this is from – this is where Lois Madden used to sit. How much for this one? Good morning, Lois, if you're listening. It's 625. The sports animals are on ESPN Honolulu. And, uh, yeah, I did see that uh, they're going to be a big New Year's Eve concert and fireworks show in the stadium parking lot. Excellent. I, w- I hope it's a big band, uh, but I'm curious about that. But I'm glad they're well, – we're getting a, con- we're getting a big concert. A big band like what? The police. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I thought of this because t- tomorrow in Long Island or on Long Island, Joan Jett is playing in a park for free. And yeah. makes well, sense. Yeah, but I, I would take a Joan Jett type. You're not going to get somebody like Bruno Mars playing in the park. Oh, you know, oh, I you're know gonna that. Go down, let's take the Surf Punks. I'm going to take the Charlie <laughs> Daniels remember. Band, the Surf Punks, and Joan Jett. Maybe a little Blue Oyster Cult. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, now you're talking. Now, this is an Aloha Friday. Did let's you work at summer, the concert? Let's bring back the summer blowouts. Yes. Did I work at the concert? Wait, what do you, you mean? Well, Did you a radio selling thought, beer? <laughs> well, you were radio DJ. That was when you were in your flaming days, I thought. Well, let's get it clear. I wasn't a flamer. It was a hot rock and flame throwing DJ. I think there's a difference nowadays. But no, that was a, that was a big '98 rock event. Remember '98 rock? Oh yes, yeah. still, right. That's still right. the best radio logo in the history of radio, besides ESPN Honolulu. '98 <laughs> rock, and then we find out it's all it's stolen. It was. There's I bought a shirt. Radio, there's a hundred radio stations on the mainland back then that had this exact same logo. But man, oh. that was a great logo. If you if I can find a '98 rock bumper sticker, I'm sticking that sucker on. That's awesome. That was good. I bought. Maybe a our friends at High Life. Maybe our friends at High Life can make a '98 Rock sh- uh, T-shirt. I bet you guys, you guys sell that out. Paul, are you listening? Come on, guys. <laughs> that that would be cool. I would get Let's one. Let's go. Let's go. The ideas are flowing this morning. Uh, the Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420, and I'm going to open the Zephyr Insurance text line. And I am uh, seem to have any trouble. But oh, here's one. Okay, this is a regarding the stadium, I presume. It says, LOL, if you set your sights on 2030, there's no disappointments. Construction ease Hawaiian time. Thank you for the text, guys. Keep them coming uh, here for the sports animals. Zach Johnson uh, from CBS Sports. We're going to talk Packers football uh, coming up. And word is Romeo Dubs, the fourth-round draft choice from Nevada, is doing very, very well yeah. in training camp. In fact, he was the star of Packers camp yesterday. 
Our next text reads, Aloha Stadium. Do they still take orders on old games? For an example, 1997 Campbell versus Wyanai. Do they, st- Eddie, explain what you mean by do they till still take orders on old games? There were years years ago where you could go through somebody there and purchase the video of a of a old game. I think it was just high school football, and I haven't heard about that in years. But I remember at one point they did do have a, they did have a service like that. Oh. For- because they're videoing for the scoreboard, and then they kept the uh, they kept the the kind the film. I, I guess I just know they were selling games. You could get high school games. Uh, the I'm not sure if the other website or how you did it, but they were available for sale. I wonder if Spectrum does that. Yeah, can you I'm call, not, not sure. Can you call your pal Felipe? I okay. would think that would be great a great little revenue generator, right? Uh, actually, it would. Is it, you, you show old, you know, it's like, oh, my, my, I was in that, I was in that game uh, back in 1986, right? Right, right. I don't know if Spectrum did high school sports in 1986, but no, they didn't. But um, anyway, uh, thank you guys for texting in 808-296-1420. Harry, I got your text here. It says. Candidates turned debate into a crabs. Oh, I was talking about the Democrats yelling at yelling at each other. Candidates turned debate into crabs in a bucket contest. Everybody tried to outdo each other by finger pointing. It was sickening. Ah, I wish I saw it. I love those debates, man. And it's like, do you? If somebody is, and this is not a political statement. I think this is just a general a statement in general. If your candidate just starts, like, hammering on another guy, are you like, yeah, I'm going to vote for that guy? I think a lot of people are just the opposite. It's like, whoa, that guy doesn't deserve that. I'm going to vote for him. What I remember when I used to watch these things growing up, and I always wondered, I used to ask my father, why are they only putting down the other candidate but never say anything good about their own candidacy? And that, that's what I don't like when they spend the majority of their time. At time, different politicians, all they do is put down the opponent, but they're not giving you enough reasons to vote for them. That happens, too. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, since we're talking about um, our friend Ryan Andrews, the stadium manager, and then um, we mentioned the New Year's Eve concert. We're getting this from the Star Advertiser. Uh, congratulations, Russell Uchida. Russell Uchida was the stadium's new deputy dog. That, I'm yes. a deputy dog. He's the new deputy <laughs> uh, manager. So congratulations on the gig, Russell. It's 631. We are the sports animals. We're talking Packers football next on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the YNI Coast. It's going to be mostly sunny again today, high in the mid-80s. The sports animals here. This is ESPN Honolulu on National Chicken Wing Day. Going around training camps. Let's go to Packers camp now. From CBS Sports, Zach Johnson joins us. Aloha and happy uh, Jacob. I don't know why I keep saying Zach Johnson. I have Zach Jacobson written in front of me. I apologize, Zach. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. No, no. No, that's, that's perfectly okay. It happens a lot. Either that or people spell it with a CK instead of a CH. So I'm kind of used to basically everything at this point. Thank you guys for having me, by the way. <laughs> Zach, good to have you, you on the show. I'm wondering in the Green Bay area, how many people have watched Con Air in the last 72 hours after Aaron Rodgers shows up at camp looking a lot like Nicolas Cage? Oh, geez. I would say, I would say at least 
70% of the U.S. population and about 100% of the Wisconsin population. That was pretty interesting. You know, I want to go back to a story I just heard the other day involving Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and we know he's gone, but the story that I heard out of Green Bay was that they talked in the offseason before free agency started, and Aaron Rodgers supposedly told Devontae Adams, I can only guarantee I'm going to be in Green Bay one more year. So if you want a long-term deal with, you know, maybe a better quarterback, you should go. Uh, Words to that effect. Have you heard anything along the same lines? Is that maybe more the reason why Adams did leave? I, th- I think it was it was part of the reason, you know, knowing that there's no long-term future kind of guaranteed with Aaron Rodgers. Because, I mean, he's turning 39 this year. He knows there isn't a lot left in front of him. Devontae Adams, meanwhile, he hasn't even hit 30 yet. He wanted to go back to, you know, to, to playing with Derek Carr, you know, as his collegiate quarterback at Fresno State. And also Adams' kind of family played a role in that. He wanted to be closer to certain relatives so they can actually come see games, watch practices, and, you know, they're more accessible to him so it was more so a, a number of different things but i think personally to adams going back and playing with the raiders was just it was like a perfect concoction for him you know and it, it was a lifelong dream achieved he grew up as a raiders fan i, I think it was more so had to do with, with that than uh rogers future with the packers what other losses do you think are significant for the packers from the offseason um, Valdez scantling goes to kansas city a few other guys have left what other losses do you think are significant I would I would stray away from what they lost in free agency and more so focus on kind of like you know the losses along the offensive line because I mean they're not going to have Elton Jenkins for the, at least the first six weeks I'm assuming he's opening on the the, the PUP list and David Bakhtiari's kind of future is, is a little iffy right now so that line not being at full strength with the five guys that they prefer that could be more impactful than anybody that they lost in free agency and that's including. Devontae Adams and Marcus Valdez-Scanling, who now they leave, there's 224 targets from last season up for grabs, and they have to figure out a way to replace that. But everything starts up front for this offense. So if they don't have their preferred starters at left tackle and left guard, then it could be, it could be a problem. Zach Jacobson from CBS Sports joining the Animals on ESPN Honolulu talking Packers football. For Bakhtiari, it's been almost 600 days since he first suffered that injury. I know he tested it a few times last year. Are they concerned, even though he is downplaying it, saying he'll be ready for the opener in September, but is there more concern that it could be even longer for him being out? Yeah, it's it's just everything is so up in the air right now. I mean, he said himself that he's the, the ACL injury itself is is – far behind that's in the rearview mirror he's recovered from that it was more so just a number of different things concerning the knee and then the procedures that he's had done after the acl he had like uh i don't remember how many ounces of fluid just built up behind his knee he had to have separate procedures done on that and even when he came back and played 27 snaps in the regular season finale last year he was not 100 percent. he said that himself so it's questionable why the packers even deployed him under that circumstance but uh, right now, I mean, the team is optimistic. Bakhtiari is obviously optimistic, but at the same time, we've kind of been here before. You know, we've been through the same song and dance with him. So, you know, very, very cautious optimism in Green Bay right now. We talked about Devontae Adams leaving the team at Valdez Scantling. Right now, I know it's still just so early in camp, but who do you think would be penciled in? Who's on the depth chart to start at the wide receiver positions? Now, that's, that's really interesting because I feel like, even with no Devontae Adams, no Valdez Scanling, they have so many different pieces that I think they, they can play with right now. I mean, Alan Lazard is a lock. Randall Cobb is a, is a lock. I think even Sammy Watkins is even going to be a lock. And they're not going to give up on Amari Rogers 
going into his second season, who is someone that a lot of people forgot about. Um, and then you have the three rookies, who Brian Gutekunst, he hardly ever parts ways with his draft picks. I think only James Looney and Kendall Donerson were the only draft picks that weren't on the opening day roster as, as rookies. So it's rare that those guys don't get opportunities in year one. I think you can pencil in all three of those rookies, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samori Toure as, as roster locks. And that's already seven guys. Then you still have Jawan Winfrey, who is this crazy camp darling. He, he makes amazing plays every single time he's on the practice field. He hasn't been able to show it in a preseason game yet. He flashed a little bit in that Cardinals game last October. So it, it's going to be tough for them to kind of really bring that depth chart together. There's just so much talent there. And they've never gone into a season under Matt LaFleur with more than six receivers on that opening day roster. So, you know, they got to figure some things out there. Be an odd guy out for sure. We got to see Romeo Dubs playing at Nevada against Hawaii over the last few years. Really good receiver. Maybe not a great year last year from the preseason hype, but I understand he's been a real bright spot in camp early on with a couple of touchdown passes yesterday in practice. Yeah, he is He is taking the, 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 the team by storm. He's taking social media by storm. I mean, they haven't even put on the pads yet. They haven't even put on, you know, anything like that. But so far, the early returns are, are very promising, especially for a fourth-round pick. I mean, uh, yeah, and he, he, he's taking advantage right now of, of the extended opportunities because no, there was no Sammy Watkins for the first two days of camp. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, Christian, Christian Watson, he's out with a knee injury. He had surgery done on it back in June, so he's kind of sitting out right now. That just leaves all of these opportunities, all of these targets in practice up for, for Romeo Dobbs. We were going over the other day some of the salaries of like the top three or four Packers. We wonder how they can possibly deal with the salary cap and have everybody on their roster, not only for this year, of course, they already have it set, but for the years to come. Is that going to be a concern with some of the deals they have already? I, I think so, but I think it's also at this point, the Packers have a track record of just maintaining this, this very – pristine kind of like financial outlook you know they have the guys that they want under contract now and they've kind of put all their chips on the table in an effort to to win now with who they have so in the future it could potentially be a be a problem especially when you have someone like david bakhtiari who signed that massive deal in november of 2020 and then a month later he suffers that unfortunate injury so something like something like that could dramatically kind of impact their 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 finances but um, in, in the future, yeah, that's something they'll definitely address. They, they've done this this whole method the last two years where they're kicking the can down the road and, like I said, trying to win now. So it could come back to bite them one day, or in the meantime, you know, they'll cut ties with certain players, free up some cap space. They're just trying to they're trying to take care of everything now while they still have Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Talking about Aaron Rodgers, we know how he sat and waited when Brett Favre was there. Jordan Love going through the same thing now. Is there any talk about Jordan Love being the future in Green Bay whenever Aaron Rodgers leaves, or do you think they'll look elsewhere? You know, that's that's another kind of tricky conversation to have because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he views his deal that he signed earlier this year as a year-to-year type of thing. You know, he's not tying himself to the team for – four or five years like it's he's gonna reach the end of the season evaluate how he feels and determine if whether or not he's able to commit himself to you know the grueling dog days of training camp and if you know if it's something that's that's up his alley at that point in his life because again he's turning 39 this december he's not getting any younger and jordan love i mean that that gets even trickier because now as a first round pick you have to you have to worry about his fifth year option which i believe next year they'll have to they'll have to pick up right so at that point, they're gonna they're gonna think like, hey, is 
is Jordan Love making enough development to the point where we can trust him with the keys to this franchise? And so far, I don't want to say that he's, he has not been, been good or promising because he's flashed here and there. That, that Chiefs game, that Chiefs game last uh, November was a very, very tough environment to evaluate in, especially when they're blitzing him 95% of the plays. And he was kind of thrown into the, you know, thrown to the wolves in the middle of the week when they found out Aaron Rodgers had COVID. But, you know, they, they need something from him this summer. He's going into year three. They need to see something, some kind of flash in the pan where it's just like, okay, this guy, this guy has it. This guy has something we want to invest in and continue developing. Worked out last time with Aaron Rodgers. We'll see if it does the same thing with uh, Jordan Love, if he is still there. Zach, great having you on the show today. Been fun. Hopefully we'll do it again when the season approaches. Absolutely. You guys give me a call and I'm there. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And that is Zach Jacobson from CBS Sports joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Okay. The incoming Rainbow Wahine guard and former Iolani star Jovi Lefotu joins us for Little Cakey Ask Big Questions. Presented by Kama Aina Kids. Now, she is, I saw part of this, it's hilarious. She's joined by her little brother, Zion, who really gives it to her. He quest gives her questions only family can ask. Watch the show on ESPNHonolulu.com or our YouTube page. Thanks again to Kama Aina Kids and Derry Gold. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app. Happy Aloha Friday. Gary Dickman celebrating National Lipstick Day. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> you know, yesterday, Chris had a really good time. His favorite part of the show was when he put down my guy, Bruce Springsteen, in those ticket prices. And I just right. want to give you an example if, how it's if not. folks Bruce. weren't listening okay. yesterday, tell them what, what you're talking what, about. What has been alleged and been talked about nationally, I mean, he is the boss, and he's going on another tour. A lot of people think it'll be his last one. So the ticket prices are really, really high in a lot of arenas, and it's $4, a small $4, amount, but they are going up to 4000 even 5000 according to some report. He is getting blamed for it. His manager said it's only a small amount of that, and it's what other performers uh, have charged for the most part. But what? It's, uh, what, he what said did his, you say? His manager said that it's less than 2% for that amount, and it's basically on par with other what other performers are charging. What I was responding with yesterday is that it's not Bruce Springsteen who's increasing these charges or these prices. It's Ticketmaster, and I'll give you an exact example. Because this morning, tickets went on sale for New York City next April, and I'm usually there at that time. So I was going to get on the list, get a code, but I didn't qualify for that. I was on standby. But I went to Ticketmaster anyway, and there was a seat in the general admission area, which means you stand in front of the stage, no seats, $405. And I go, wow, that's not bad. I'm going to see what it comes out with the taxes. When I hit the next button, it said, oops, something went wrong. Try again. Waited four minutes, tried again. The exact same seat was now $2,700 because I checked it five minutes, four minutes earlier. That's Ticketmaster. They see you look at a ticket, they see the demand, and they just raised the price. I could not believe within five minutes that it went up $2,300. So it's not the performer. Ticketmaster is pulling a scam, I think. And a lot of people are upset with them as well. That's great. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about something in an NFL training camp or whatever. Well, I, okay. I, I That's do. great. You know, for all the Bruce Springsteen's fans that were listening that were worried about that, there you go. Well, you brought anyway, it up let's yesterday. Move on. 
Well, yeah, let's move on. I do want to get into something next. I know we don't have a lot of time right now, but after buy and sell, with all the talk about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the pressure he should be under, and some people agree, and he seems to be mentioned almost every day. What about Marcus Mariota, especially for us here in Hawaii? He's in a team with Atlanta. We know he's been named the starter. They're a bad team on paper. I mentioned the other day how no, like they're Las bad Vegas... team on the field as well. Well, they, they're they, bad they, all they, around. As of right now, I mean, they haven't played a game, so you have, you have to give them the benefit of a doubt. And maybe you know some of these guys like <laughs> no. Blake, uh, Drake London will work out with Kyle Pitts, and Marcus will be like he was at Oregon or once in a while at Tennessee. But I just want to talk about the pressure he actually should be under because he's got a two-year deal there, and he comes cheap this year. Next year will be about nine million, I believe, with a chance to make twelve, being with a three million dollar roster bonus. But if this is his last chance, if this is his last chance to be a starter in the NFL, I have a feeling if he doesn't prove it this year, it's going to be really tough for anybody to want him and give him a chance to be a starter. I'm not even sure as a backup. I mean, that makes it more likely that he'll have that chance. I think this is going to be more pressure on him than Tua to prove himself for next season. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, I want to bring up some more things about that with his numbers and the team around him. But I think that's something maybe we should be talking about more than Tua. Tua was much better last year. Marcus didn't play a lot. He's under, I think, even more scrutiny with a team that doesn't give him a good an opportunity to win. I think Tua's going to have a fine year. But we haven't really talked about Marcus that much. More on Marcus Mariota, buy or sell, and our top stories all coming up on this Aloha Friday on ESPN Honolulu. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. The gang at the Hawaii Association of Broadcasters, we help uh, volunteer at different events and help uh, different organizations with uh, what needs to be done. So I was out there volunteering. And uh, had a lot of people come up and say, hey, how's Bobby Curran doing? How's Bobby Curran doing? So, Bobby, if you're listening, a lot of people uh, sending their love, their prayers, and aloha to you. Many people came up and said, um, uh, the guy Gary Dickman's kind of a dork, and how's Bobby Curran doing? That's what you were saying. (laughs) No, but anyway, (laughs) we just get Bobby on. Call Bobby up when he's if he's feeling okay. Come on the radio, say hi to everybody. It's um, I was going to say what time it was. I get that a lot about Bobby as well. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Bobby, if you're listening, uh, um, Godspeed and getting better. Get back in here so that we can sleep in past 5 (laughs) a.m. All right. Let's go with top stories of uh, the day. One of them is that um, Kyler Murray, the, the Arizona Cardinals, have removed the homework assignment from Kyler Murray's contract. This whole thing to sound like Chris Hart is an embarrassment. That's, that an, is that's just, what Bobby says. It's an embarrassment. It really is more so on Arizona's side than Kyler Murray. I mean, it's just incredible what this has come into, come come to play out to be incredible. Yeah, and uh, we'll get, uh, let's see, the article in the uh, Star Advertiser this morning from Dave Reardon says that uh, completion date of the new Aloha Stadium will be sometime now in 2026 i thought that was always the deal but i guess not i still don't have faith that it'll be on the target date but i hope i am wrong on this one more than almost any other time i've been wrong right marcus mariota is doing very well in training camp problem is so is desmond ritter we'll get into that coming up in a few minutes but right now it is time for tanner hayworth to do his thing 
The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Good morning, guys. Let's go ahead and jump straight into Buy or Sell. And like you just alluded to a minute ago, Tyler Murray's homework clause is out of his contract, as in this official statement made by the Arizona Cardinals. After seeing the distraction it created, we removed the addendum from the contract. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Now, the Arizona Cardinals is one of the NFL's oldest franchise, but that does not correlate with the amounts of of success you would see from a Packers or even a Bears franchise. Buy or sell, the Arizona Cardinals should be considered one of the most disappointing and embarrassing NFL franchises of all time. (laughs) First of all, was it an addendum or was it part of the contract? I believe it was part of the contract. It was a part of the contract, but the Cardinals will say it's an addendum. I think to make them to make them look better, maybe. It can't be both, Gary. You can't. I've read both. I'm just saying a different article that it said one or the other. Anyway, I'm the the, the buyer sell. Okay, so the buyer sell question is: the Arizona Cardinals are the worst franchise in NFL history. The most disappointing. I'm going to go with the New York Jets on that. So I'm I'm selling that. I think the New York Jets are embarrassing i think that the new york jets got lucky one year and got they got the first uh, pick in the draft they got joe namath they got a super bowl and they've been pretty much bad ever since see i believe the question was were they the most embarrassing in the nfl disappointing for arizona how did this turn into a new york jets critique and I knew, I know Chris Hart so well, I knew exactly where he was going, and I can't uh-huh. disagree too much with that. I'll say I'm selling that as well for this reason. Hey, they were in a Super Bowl not too long ago. They were in the playoffs last year. They were 7-0. There are a lot of teams in the NFL that should be disappointing, like the Houston Texans and what they did with Deshaun Watson. You can go up and down the list with what team, Dallas Cowboys employing Greg Hardy and some others. I think those are disappointing. Then you have on the field, yeah, the New York Jets and New York Giants have the worst record in the NFL over the last five years. It's a tie. Arizona's not that, so I'm selling that. They're not the most disappointing. Roger Worley is not walking through that door. Jim Hart is not walking through that door. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Roger Worley. Remember Roger Worley? Barely, but yes. DK Metcalf signed a three-year extension worth $72 million with 58 guaranteed as he signs on to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Metcalf is one of the many star receivers this offseason to receive huge, a huge contract extension, yet there is still one star receiver waiting for his own. Buy or sell, this piles on the pressure for the 49ers to extend Debo Samuel. I'm going to sell that because I think they're working on it. I think they're trying to, once they get Jimmy Garoppolo off the books, Debo's going to get his money. So I think I don't think they're under any pressure right now, per se. I'm going to sell that as well. I mean, they're both great receivers, but Debo does things that I don't think Metcalf does do as far as running the ball. And I don't think there's a direct connection, although when you see a receiver, that's great. Get this amount of money. The next guy is going to get a little bit more, like in the quarterback situation. But I agree with what Chris said. That's what we keep hearing is that when Garoppolo's off the book, they'll work out something. They had an opportunity to trade him at the draft, and they didn't. I think they'll get something done, so I'm selling. And unlike building of Aloha Stadium, they're not waiting until that gets done. 
done, and then they start the process. I believe they've started the process already right. so they can flip that switch and give De- Debo his money. Buy, 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 or sell. Sell, sell, sell. It is no question how amazing Shohei Otani is and how much that contrasts with the success or lack thereof with the LA Angels. Now it's yeah, reported that the Angels are now willing to listen to trade talks for Shohei Otani as he becomes a free agent after this season. Now there's no guarantee of whether or not they'll answer back. Buy or sell. A Shohei Otani trade will be held to the same magnitude as the Babe Ruth trade did to MLB history. I'm going to sell that. What He's not a free agent after this season. It's after 2023, so he's got a year and a half left. So they don't have a sense of urgency. The talk is that if they're not winning with him, maybe get something in return. And the longer they wait, they know they'll get less back. I think it's a different situation for them because not only is he great on the field, he brings in so much revenue with the marketing and the branding from all around the world. The Angels have to consider that, and I've heard on ESPN Radio numerous times some of their experts say that exact thing. Some of the talk is maybe if they trade him for Juan Soto, that would be a pretty interesting trade. I like that idea. I like him going to the Mets, but I don't think that'll happen. I'm going to sell that. I think it's a different situation than Babe Ruth, mainly because there are different considerations as far as the financial aspects off the field. You know, I think the question is that is this is this going to be that big? Is it going to be something that in the baseball annals you remember forever and ever? When Babe Ruth was traded or sold to the New York Yankees, he was a pitcher who also hit, right? I believe and then yeah, he became yeah, the big hitter when he went to New York. So I, I'm not sure that it was that big a deal. It was in hindsight that they said, whoa, look at that. I think it depends how Shohei's career goes after this, after he becomes a Los Angeles Dodger <laughs> or New York Yankee. After that happens, you know, if he keeps the way he's played the last couple of years, then it's really big. So I'm going to sell that for now. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And that's today's buy or sell on ESPN Honolulu. Ten, hey, great job there. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. I just want to add a little bit to Shohei's story. When he has that quote that I see at ESPN.com where he says, regardless of where I'm playing, he and I'm not blaming him or faulting him at all, but it's almost like he's open to the possibility of playing elsewhere because if he says, I don't want to leave, be anywhere else but here, and he also went to say right now I'm an angel and that's all I can focus on, but I think even himself might want to go somewhere where he can win in five years with Anaheim, with the LA Angels of Anaheim, under 500, no playoffs every year. That's got to be frustrating. He's going to be 28, I believe, really soon, and he's still in his prime, of course. Maybe he does want to go where he can maybe make a little more money, but more importantly, be in the playoffs. Are they still known as the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? I believe. I, think, I think they're. I think they're marketing wise. They they like to just be called the L.A. Angels. I believe Los te- Angeles Angels. I believe technically their name is that, but it might be like the New York Mets or the New York Metropolitans, Reds or the Red Stockings. That might be that, but I still believe that's their official name. That they're the Angels of Anaheim. I believe so. I don't think they got rid of that. Yeah, I think you're wrong on that one. You might want to check that out about that. the break. Uh, I think you're a little dated. Yeah, the California <laughs> Angels. Hey, didn't Nolan links. Ryan play for the California Angels? Yes, he did. I like the California Angels. Why'd they ever change? Maybe for mar- I don't know if that was for marketing or not, but I mean, you it was more, for I- marketing. It was for marketing. Okay, and they tried to sense. ease their way into it slowly. We're not the Los Angeles Angels. 
with the Los Angeles Angels of with the Anaheim Angels. Then it was the Los Angeles. Disneyland wasn't good enough, so it was now we're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And anyway, all right, ten minutes after the hour here, uh, Keola Raposa uh, designed those new University of Hawaii football helmets. Uh, he's going to join us later on this hour. We'll talk for a couple of minutes about inspiration and the design and how that came across um here on espn honolulu so you were talking about marcus Mariota, yeah and let me pull something up i got uh online today this morning and reports are that marcus Mariota is doing uh very well early on in training camp and i don't have it in front of me now i think my printer didn't anyway Going back to the article, and you can see it at um, ESPN.com somewhere. They're, they're kind of going around the different training camps. Marcus Mariota was his completion percentage out of 24 passes so far in training camp. I guess they're not passing a lot. Uh, he's 100%. Granted, uh, some were dinks and dunks, but uh, nobody has dropped a pass. Now, he's been saved by a couple of receivers. Uh, somebody, uh, one of the tight ends, not Kyle Pitts, one of the other ones made a diving catch. But um, word is he's doing very well in in, um, in practice. And Desmond Ritter is doing very, very well as, as well. So I know it's not much news on Mariota training camp, but it is it is a little bit of good news. It's definitely good news, but I, I would I, I can't the only quarterback who probably has bad news after two or three days, and I'm serious, is Zach Wilson. Threw another interception today, two yesterday. It shouldn't matter. The big news yesterday was Tom Brady threw a touchdown to Julio Jones and I watched the replay. No pads, no defensive players. Right. <laughs> it's not too oh, bad. There's no Oh, there's no defensive players? Yeah, it was just it was just okay. a drill. And so when you hear some of the things in the first couple of days, I don't think it's that big of a deal. For Marcus, what I really was impressed with is his mm-hmm. attitude, where he said it again yesterday, where, you know, he has no problem being a mentor to the young quarterback and explaining. We've heard that previously this offseason. It's not like other quarterbacks that would say the same thing. We know that about Marcus. Great attitude no matter how he plays. He's got that about him and I was really impressed with that. Again, I know they're projected to be a bottom feeder in that division. I hope he surprises people and even if they don't win a lot, I'm hoping he has a really good bounce back year and I'm surprised here in Hawaii we're talking so much more about Tua than Marcus being under pressure. Yeah, and I think because um, we... Marcus is trying to make a comeback, and we haven't seen Marcus for a, a, a while. We see him, like, one play a game with the Raiders right. or whatever. Uh, Tua, it, I think a lot of people feel is being do- they're, they're doing him wrong as far as the, uh, the fans in Miami, the organization, and all of that. But uh, when you say that, you know, nobody does bad in training camp, uh, actually, besides Zach Wilson, uh, Baker Mayfield is uh, – Sam Darnold is outperforming Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's throwing, well, lots. He's he's doing what him and Sam Darnold do. They throw interceptions, <laughs> and he's doing it in training camp. Not surprising. John calling in. We got a few minutes. Hi, John. Hey, I'm calling about Marcus Mariota. Um, hey, the one thing I'm concerned about. By the way, I root for any guy from Hawaii to be successful when they're in the in the NBA. But uh, NFL, or the NFL, excuse me. Uh, uh, yeah, and the thing is, is that. Um, I'm concerned about Marcus because uh, they they don't have a very good offensive line. I don't think they have very many tools around him. And I'm kind of I would like him to be successful, but I'm concerned that he's going to be running for his life like the whole year uh, because they don't have anybody much to throw to. And uh, 
nobody much around him. I think that uh, Tua has a lot better supporting cast than uh, than Marcus has, and uh, I would like Marcus to be uh, successful, but I'm concerned. Uh, and I'll, uh, what do you think about that? Hey, thank you, John. Thank, have a good day today. I, you know, 100% agree with everything you said, and that's my emotion too, is that, you know, as they rebuild this team, it seems to me that Marcus Mariota is a placeholder. And I can't remember in the past where a placeholder has won the starting job and been successful year after year after year with the uh, program. Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably one of the most famous placeholders that we know of. He was out in Buffalo and had a, you know, was having a great season. They get rid of him. I mean, he played for like eight teams and seven teams in eight years, whatever it was. I mean, he was he was okay when he played for the New York Jets. Yeah, Ryan Fitzmagic, remember that? Yep. And they still got every year. They're always looking for somebody better. Hopefully, that's not the case with Marcus Mariota, and he kind of turns this thing around. He's got a couple of offensive weapons. Gary mentioned Drake London, the rookie out of USC. Now he hasn't played a down in the NFL. We don't know how good he's going to be. He's got Kyle Pitts. I don't know about the Falcons' offensive line, if it's as bad as the Miami Dolphins' offensive line last year. What's really hurting the, the Falcons is the organization itself. I think ownership is great. And uh, is it Arthur Blank? Yes. Who really tries to support the, uh, you know, is into the fans, support the organization as much as he can. They've made horrible draft choices. Many of their draft choices the last five years aren't even on the team anymore. Their defense is just so bad. In my mind, the Atlanta Falcons should be the worst team in the NFL. And I hope they're not. But when you look at what Marcus has got to has got to play with, there's a whole lot of nothing going on in Atlanta. Yeah, I, one other weapon he does have, maybe not a great receiver. He's got the speed, but Cordell Patterson is with them too. Oh, they, he's well, sure. I mean, he is he is a poor man's Debo Samuel. He's more than yeah. a wide receiver. I believe he's even listed as a running back, not a wide receiver. Well, their depth chart is a receiver and a return kickoff return. Uh, starter as well right but what i've seen him listed last year as a running back and you're right they do have as a running back as well sorry about that so another weapon for him and you know again uh i read something from vision the other day on the air where they project them at four and a half wins in vegas and the guy from that network said go under that they're not going to win more but my point again about marcus even though he's on a worse team than tua has right now with everything around him I mean, this, he's going to be 29 in a couple of months. And for an NFL quarterback to be considered the starting quarterback when they haven't had a lot of success in recent years, I don't know at that age if a lot of teams or any team is going to be wanting him. He's got this year and next year on his contract. He's not that expensive. He's going to be $9 million next year with a chance to make $12 million. He gets a $3 million roster bonus five days after the NFL New Year starts in 2023. So that'll be an indicator, of course. Well, the season will be a big indicator if they keep him or not. But I, I think this could be his last chance to start, which I never would have believed coming out of college. I really thought he and Tua, of course, the separate years that they came out, would both have at least good careers, if not great careers. I'm not predicting that either would have been a pro, uh, all pro but I thought they would be mainstay as starters. And I still think Tua will be. Oh, I thought. I, I, I thought it's hard I thought. with – 
I thought Marcus Mariota for sure would be an all right. pro type quarterback. I mean, okay. I thought that he was he was a guy, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner coming, and you know, he had the arm, he had the athleticism, he had speed. I mean, he had everything that star quarterbacks have. And it started out well his rookie season, I believe. Isn't that the year he threw a pass to himself in the playoff game? And I mean, they were in the playoffs his, yeah. his rookie year. And then after a couple of years, the decision making is what um, was his bugaboo. And the interceptions, he's got a long history. He's he's an injury plagued guy. Last year was it the year before he played for the Oakland Raiders. He played like one play in a game, injured, out for half the season. So that's really been Marcus's biggest problem is staying healthy. But when you talk about some of the when you when you look at skilled players from Hawaii, we haven't had a whole lot of success. I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings here, but Ashley Lalee was a first round draft choice. That speed he had and his size, and, uh, I mean, he had all the makings of a big-time NFL star, and it didn't work out. Manti Teos, you know, second, you know, in the Heisman voting, I believe, right? Was he? I believe he was, was second. He, you know, Manti Teo did not work out. He didn't translate. Not that, I guess you could say, it's not really a skill position linebacker, but it's a non-offensive lineman. The... Um, who else am I thinking of? Manti Teo. There's a bunch that it's just. We put out great offensive linemen. You're going to think of Dominic Raiola and um, Olin Krutz. Right. And some of these other guys, some from the University of Hawaii, some that are played high school in Hawaii. We, we have a long line of great offensive linemen. Who are our skill players in the NFL? You know, Greg Salas was great at the University of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, 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 he was a journeyman. And, you know, he was in the NFL for a number of years. But, you know, John Ursua, Chad Owens was great in the CFL. It's, you know, I, one guy, I'll say this again. One guy, I think he could have been great NFL player, and he was just on the wrong team, is Nate Elawa with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was behind two all-pro running backs there, and he just – he couldn't hang on. But I think Nate Ilawa would have been great in the NFL. And I believe he was, like, the last cut of Philadelphia as well. Uh, for Devon Best was, I think, going in a really good direction with Miami. Then he goes to Cleveland. We know it had off-the-field yeah, problems. After, but but after, after three or four years, he was done. And, you know, that was for whatever reason. But he wasn't a – it didn't happen. I mean, Ashley Lee was really good for a few years. I mean, he had the most – the longest average per catch – in the NFL a number of times, which means he was a deep threat. But, hey, you know what? we got to get a traffic report here. We'll be back with more on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at Peter Moon. That's who I miss. I miss the Peter Moon band. Seven. Hey, it's Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great Aloha Friday. 
We heard the news. I guess it is somewhat official, if not totally official. Charles Barkley is not going to the dark side, known as the Live Tour, to be an analyst. It appears they never made him an oh, offer. Oh, come on. They're not the dark side. I'm come just on. joking. I'm just joking. By the way, what, when, well, so gonna... basically what, it, what he said is that he's, he's going to stay with Turner Broadcasting, and I'm guessing they never made him an offer. Yeah, there was so no offer. So he's saying thank you very much for talking to me, and I didn't think there was. Once you, they started talking to, uh, oh, gosh, who was it? They just started talking to somebody else. David Ferdinand. Not David Ferdinand. No, oh. no, after that, they were talking to another broadcaster, it was reported. But, uh, yeah, once they st- I heard that, I was like, okay, but they're, they're not interested in Barkley. Barkley probably wanted too much money, and he wanted to he wanted to have his cake and eat it, too. He wanted to make $60 million from the Live Tour and then another, you know, whatever he makes from all of his endorsements and Turner Broadcasting. He wouldn't be able to do both. And I think he just said, you know, he basically, because he had given, in fairness to Chuck, he said that he didn't want to keep everyone hanging, Yeah. you know, with his endorsements and TNT. So he needed an answer by Thursday, uh, yesterday. Obviously, he never got the call back from Greg Norman. So he said, ah, I'm just going to stay where I am. Thank you. And he supports the PGA and the Live Tour. I like how it all kind of ended up. Yeah, he handled it well, and it must be cool or he's fortunate to be in a position where he can say, if you give me what I want, I'll go. If not, I'm fine where I am. He ha- Either way, it was a win-win, as he said. And I'm glad he's going to be on basketball coverage for TNT. Love that. It would have been fun in a way to see him on the lit tour to see what he could offer. And uh, we'll see him on the match maybe every June on TNT or TBS with the NFL quarterback. But that was kind of interesting. We, we talked also about the 9-11 protesters. And I found this kind of interesting hearing about the press conference that they were going to give. There were 20 television cameras there, which from what the article I read said is, a, is the most – they didn't get that kind of coverage in Portland. And I know it's because right. they're in the New York area, but still that's a lot of well, coverage. Donald Trump, the Donald was there. They wanted to get – they wanted comments from the Donald. But but he wasn't at the 9-11 press. From the 9-11 protesters, they had a press conference, and there were 20 cameras on them. But they, you're saying they were there oh, for Donald I see Trump. I, I see what you're saying. But the reason there's a lot of interest in this, it was a pro-am yesterday, is yeah. because Donald Trump was there uh, hanging out with Bryson DeChambeau and high-fiving and yucking it up, um, you know, and that's why there was a lot of interest in uh, a lot of cameras at the pro-am itself. Now, the protesters, they're not on site because they're not welcome on site. They're just nearby. Right. And again, 9-11 happened in New York City. This is in New Jersey, and that's why there were a lot of cameras there. But it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter just because I'm not, you know, unfortunately, I mean, this is something that changed not only us, but it changed the world, 9-11. Sure. Right? With all the processes and everything. Uh, that we go through the airports and security and all right, of that. Still to this day. Right, still to this day. But as it gets farther and farther away from September 11th, 2001, you know, people start to forget a little bit. Or people weren't born yet. Totally true. I, I don't think it'll ever go away, but you're totally nope. right. I mean, it already has. No, in the a attack way. on Pearl Harbor has never gone away. It's part of our history. And I go back there at least every other year, uh, maybe besides COVID, and I see the, to the Pearl prep. Harbor. <laughs> way to venture, way to venture out there, Gary. 
and and the, the crowds there aren't exactly the same. It's still a big tourist attraction, which some oh, people sure. don't like, but it's not the same as from the, the 2002 to 2010. It has slowed down a lot. I just thought the, the amount of cameras, though, was was a little something, but it, you're right. I, I wasn't even thinking more about Donald Trump. I was thinking more about the New York market, but you're right about Trump and everything with him just being there and his comments, which I know maybe upset some people that I don't even need to get into right now uh, about 9-11. But he was very supportive of the Saudis and saying, you know, they're great business people and he's dealt with them before. Uh, still, and there's going to be well, people think on both. Of, think, of, think of how many businesses, and this is, comes from Charles Barkley, how many businesses in this country are partially owned or supported by Saudi Arabia or the Saudi Arabia Public Trust Fund, whatever that's called. Right. There right. are many. There are many. And nobody's protesting them. You're protesting some general contractors who just want to choose where they play golf. All kinds of protests on the golfers. I wish that these people would do their research and find out. And and, and if you're going to do the protest thing, protest everybody, not just golfers. Protest all the other sports watching that's going on, not just the live tour. It's 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 almost silly, as 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 Kyler Murray would say, it's almost like a joke. When you think about it, it really is. They shouldn't be the only people focused on with this. That's what I just said, yeah. And you know, like, but and some of the media people, and I'm reading stuff out of New York the last couple of days, and they keep on having articles about the blood money, and they are really. And that's why I brought up those comments yesterday, maybe because I, I heard the other side, and it just made me think. I'm still with you on this. That they're not agreeing, they're not supportive of what went on. It's a business transaction, business deal. I don't think they should be blamed really for it. But I understand a little more at the other side. But some people in the media do have an agenda, and they keep writing about the negativity that Bin Laden was a Saudi national and the blood money the blood money and they're really painting a negative picture where i thought that would die down a little bit in some areas it has and some areas it hasn't yeah especially if you if you watch the golf channel man it's you know they're just they actually were trying to ignore it a lot and i guess they can't get away from it because last night they were reporting on um the pro-am with charles uh with uh um Donald Trump, and they were showing some footage. I don't know that they showed the protesters, but you have somebody like Jaime Diaz, who is one of the great, my favorite broadcasters, but he's always just golf only, none of the peripheral stuff. Now, he's at the New Jersey Bedminster, is it called? Or I something believe like that. For Trump court. So Trump that's court. where he's at, and he's reporting. And one of the things he reported on was – during the press conferences, because they're getting asked these negative questions in the press conference, especially the newer players that uh, came over from the PGA Tour. So there, there's negative, negative, negative. And then the Live Tour has hired three comedians, they said. It's, it, that's how Jaime referred to it as three comedians who will ask light questions. Like Ian Poulter, is it possible to win a tournament wearing plaid pants? Right? So that kind of stuff. Wow. Is, and, and people are laughing or whatever, yet the Golf Channel reported it as just another awkward mistake by the Live Tour. And I thought, really? Do you think that fans like us are going to go, oh, the Live Tour, They, they, they marketing-wise, they hired some comedians to ask <laughs> silly questions. I could care less. Sure. 
I want to see Bryson DeChambeau hit a 400-yard drive. How do you cover that up? <laughs> yeah, right. It's 7.33 with the sports animals here, and uh, we got to get a surf report in here. And Keola Raposa uh, is the designer of the new UH football helmet. He joins us next on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, you know what? i got to remind folks one more time. Uh, if you got little baseball players at home, it's the last session for the Hawaii Rainbow Warrior Youth Skills Camp. It's coming up this Monday already, so uh, this will be your last chance to sign up pretty soon. Now, this is for boys and girls entering kindergarten through eighth grade. Go to hawaiiathletics.com and click on the camps button. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana Men's Clinic. Visit drcharlesarakaki.com. heard the great news about the new helmets for the University of Hawaii football team and joining us now on ESPN Honolulu the man who is in charge and designed the new helmets from fitted Hawaii Keola Raposa is with us Keola thank you so much for joining us a lot of excitement about this new helmet design how did this process first come about Aloha good morning I thank you for having me um the process started uh very quickly as soon as uh, Timmy got hired um we have a mutual friend, John uh, Nielsen, and he, he put us in contact, put us on a text thread, and we were trading ideas. How long between trading ideas and having the exact concept, what was the time frame between all that? The You know, well, from a design standpoint, we've been thinking about these things for years. Um, I mean, even further along, you know, these aren't, these aren't uh, new stories or new new ideas. These are... These are ideas from our ancestors. So um, I would say, you know, it's, 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 been in the, it's been in the ether for a very long time, but it took about, I would say, three months to sort of nail down the concept, design, color, and then finally getting the, uh, getting the concept on the helmet. So total about four months. You mentioned how you met with Timmy Chang. I know he gave his input, as you said. I understand you also met with Hawaii Hawaii historians. What kind of input did they give you specifically for this design? Uh, well, I, the the first thing I, I would like to share is um, when we're talking about uh, Moa and um, the idea of Ali'is and their warriors, um, the greatest warrior, uh, modern-day warrior, was uh, John Henry Wise. And we, 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 were, we were drawn to him um, via tons of work and material out there um, that sort of presented itself during this process. So we, we talk about Muamahi, which is, which is when you reach the pinnacle of, of status as a warrior. And John Henry Wise, who played for John Heisman, um, he also played uh, in the, that game against Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, it was uh, the, these ideas uh, were sort of it was it was there and it and it came up really quickly. So um, yeah, from just visits with the Iolani Palace um, and then putting me in contact with a historian that was specifically um, researching John Wise, my Kumus. Um, it, it was uh, it came it came fast and and it was it was such a fun project to be a part of. 
Keola Raposa from Fitted Hawaii joining us on ESPN Honolulu talking Hawaii football helmets. Can you give us the meaning behind some of the designs? And I guess I'll start with the Hulu Moa, which is the chicken feather. Talk a little bit about that first, if you can. Yeah, so the chicken feather um, will be utilized two ways, um, one side for the offense and one side for the defense. And it's a merit-based sticker. So when, um, say, you're on defense, uh, you will get a white sticker if you get a tackle or I'm not too sure how the coaches are going to sort of hand those things out. But, but the idea is that um, uh, there was an instance where, where Kamehameha was offered by his kahus to, um, to set war with his uncle. And he sent his, his runner, Makoa, to, to offer these two stones, a white and a black stone. And if his uncle chose the white stone, that means that he did not want to battle if he chose the black stone. And he would, he was, he, he, he wanted to, to battle. So that idea sort of permeated and, and it presented itself as the white was for defensive, meaning I don't want to fight, but I will, I will, I will stand my ground and I will hold you off for my end zone. And then the black was sort of offensive and I'm on the attack. Interesting. And they represent the more feathers. Yes. The crest is the Manava. Talk about the meaning behind that. So the Manava is, um, it's it it, it 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 sort of deals with time space between times we're sort of in this in this um uh two spaces from the last from the past football um uh history and then we're moving into this new football history so that sort of is the overarching theme of manava but manava is also um the top of your head or the crest so as we sort of reach to this more mahi status of uh and timmy is timmy and the coaching staff is is um, guiding these young men. Um, it's sort of as they grow older and becoming more mahi, their their prefrontal cortex is closing. So it's sort of the it's sort of opening. Um, it's it's that pico on the top of your head, and it's closing as you get older. So it's sort of it has a it has a bunch uh, uh, a lot of different meanings, but but specifically space and time between two points, and then sort of the crest of your head. I know a lot of people have already responded, and they really love the designs, of course, but they're very happy that the island chain is still a part of this helmet. Yes, it, it is still there. You know, um, Hawaii, uh, Hawaii Pai Aina, all of Hawaii, if you're here, if you're away, if you, you, you adhere to, the, to the, life, the livelihood and culture of this place, it's represented in that, in that visual of the island chain. But it was something that Timmy had made sure, hey, we need to make sure that that's still represented on there. So we did we did leave it on there. What kind of response have you got, whether it's just locally or even nationally? Because I think this really has taken a lot of people a lot of people by storm as far as seeing this new design and the responses we've seen on social media. Yeah, it's, uh, I woke up the next day with about 150 um, uh, direct messages uh, from people from here to uh, friends in Japan and um, all over the country. It's just I think. Um, the, the the biggest honor and response I've gotten was um, was um, the fact that it it it's not just a design or a graphic it 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 resources um, Mo'olelo and Ike from Hawaii it you know as we talk about Hawaiian warriors um, who were these Hawaiian warriors and and how are they represented so it was a, a I'm getting responses sort of hey right on we you know we have some meaning. And we, and we can understand now why why some of these designs are being used. So um, it's been it's been it's been great, 
and overwhelming. I'm very humbled and thankful. Our whole team is very excited about this project. We have heard that next year Hawaii football will have a new uniform design. Are you going to be involved in that at all? Um, I don't know if I can um, speak on that yet, but uh, <laughs> yes, I would, I would love to be um, a part of it. Again, you know, as a, as a kid growing up here, um, Hawaii sports has been, you know, our, it, it's our pinnacle of sports here, um, the University of Hawaii football team. And as a designer and pairing those things together, very passionate about Hawaiian culture, very passionate about modern culture and very passionate about Hawaii sports, very passionate about visual communication and everything sort of is, is apexing together. And um, yeah, next year's uniforms, uh, getting a chance to work with, with, with Adidas uh, would be, would be phenomenal. Uh, Keola, you, you mentioned John Henry Wise in the beginning of the uh, interview. Can you um, mention how his name came up again? Well, my kumu, um, Kaipo'i, he, mm-hmm. we have these classes every Thursday, and he, uh, we, we, we had brought up his name in, in, um, in something that we, were, that we were talking about. And mm-hmm. um, John Henry Wise, um, I believe Ron Williams is the professor, and he's been doing a lot of work um, researching and bringing the story of John Henry Wise to light um, as that, as, as we see it in my class, he is the uh, the pinnacle of Mahimoa or this the highest status of warrior. Uh, he went to play for Oberlin College. <clears throat> he 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 played under John John Heisman. He was the first Hawaiian. He was the first Hawaiian um, football player. He was the first uh, Hawaiian professor um, here in, in in Hawaii. And he left he left his college career behind to come home and fight for the Queen. Uh, John Henry Wise was also a part of Prince Jonah's um, uh, architecting the Hawaiian Homes Act. So mm-hmm. John Henry Wise is a—he is that guy. He is that money. Wow. He's the ultimate—he's um, um, he's the ultimate goal for these wow. young men to to sort of set their sights on. You it's know, an honor. Pre- I mean, I, I, it's yeah. an honor to um, to share his name. Um, but Ron Williams—he's—he's been doing a lot of research. Uh, and bringing to light a lot of stories. You know what? I'd love to get, if we can get Ron Williams on the air with us, that would be, I'm born and raised here, lived here all my life. I've never heard of John Henry Wise. Google John Henry Wise. That's an amazing guy. We'll get into that coming up next. But Keola, thank you very much for joining us. This has been a true treat for us, and I I hope our listeners too. Good luck in the future, okay? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Aloha. All right. Thank you, brother. Uh, Keola Raposa, uh, he designed that new UH football helmet. Uh, his company is called Fitted Hawaii, by the way. You can check out some pretty cool designs online. And uh, he's hoping to get to work with Adidas on the, the football uniform as well. John Henry Wise. I've never heard of him. Is it uh, Tanner? I know. Have you ever heard of John Henry Wise? I've heard the name, but I don't think I've ever had that much in-depth information about him. Honestly, wow. that was it, a very good, very awesome talk just to hear about him. Yeah, uh, I got more details on this. this guy's the most one of the most amazing people in Hawaii history. I can't believe I've never heard of John Henry Wise. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Whoa. 
Wow, there's video. Oh, <laughs> is that on the air? Yep. <laughs> what kind of video, Chris? It's on John Henry Wise. He's portrayed by Albert Uwe Logitone. But, um, yeah, okay, so we heard a little bit with Keola a few minutes ago on John Henry Wise. And this guy, I don't understand why he is not celebrated like we celebrate Duke Kahanamoku. I guess because John Henry Wise was, you know, being what we believe is the first native Hawaiian college football player, I guess it's not as sexy as winning, you know, Olympic gold in swimming and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he was, he was okay, he was a senator. He was a businessman. He went to Oberlin College and studied theology. Uh, he, with uh, Jonah Kalani Anaole, developed the Hawaiian Homelands Act, which is, you know, today, the uh, Hawaiian home, you know, the homesteads. Although interesting, and at least according to Wikipedia, they wanted actually a higher blood quantum. They wanted you to be more Hawaiian, and they were going to give you the land fee simple. It wasn't what it is today as leasehold land. For whatever reason, it became leasehold land. Um, President Calvin Coolidge appointed him as director of prohibition enforcement during the prohibition area. That's amazing. Era. But, I mean, he's had a, he, 10 kids. He's uh, was in the very first uh, class of Kamehameha School for Boys. Um, and he came back, uh, you know, to help the Republic. When he came back from the mainland, Queen Lili Okalani had already been overthrown. Um, so he had to be, I guess he was part of the government, the, uh, I guess the provisional government. No, those are the guys that overthrew uh, Lili Okalani. But he had to be followed, and I don't have all the details. I'm just rushing through this. He had to be pardoned by President Sanford B. Dole. But a, um, it, it's a, he's a guy that did everything. I mean, if you can picture somebody like so Ed Case, Ed Case, our congressman. Not only Ed Case being a congressman for a little while, but Ed Case comes back to Hawaii and becomes a taro and pig farmer. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Ed Case isn't going to be an evangelist. This guy's an evangelist. He's a Hawaiian interpreter. He is a pig farmer. He's a taro farmer. Uh, Hawaii's first native Hawaiian football player under John Heisman, a guy who reportedly was so strong that he could run with three guys on his back and he wouldn't feel a thing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. John Henry Wise. Um, just for fun over the weekend, maybe uh, do some research on this guy. And I can see why Keola, who designed the helmet, they call him one of Hawaii's greatest warriors. The field, uh, what is now known as Bachman Hall, uh, excuse me, Bachman uh, Lawn, at the University of Hawaii, right there on Dole Street, that used to be called, it used to be called, um, John Henry Wise Field. It was an athletic field back then. Then they changed the name to, I don't know, there's got to be something. And hopefully there is, and I just don't know about it. Something in Hawaii has got to be called John Henry Wise blank. And 
you know, the Hirano Tunnels. There was a lot of uh, controversy. There, it's called Hirano Tunnels. Then people were complaining like uh, they didn't know who he was or whatever. Then they changed the name, and then they changed it back. Something like that. We need a tunnel or something where people will look up and remember John Henry Wise. Spectacular story. A Hawaiian that should not be forgotten. Somebody in their 50s, like me, who's lived here all my life and never heard of John Henry Wise. That's a shame. We'll be back with our top stories. Happy Aloha Friday. It's the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Happy Aloha Friday. Top stories we're following today are uh, Russian spies in Kapolei. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, that's crazy. Um, one of the things we're talking about is the Arizona Cardinals have removed the independent study clause from Kyler Murray's contract. Embarrassing situation for the team. I think it's more embarrassing for management there to have done it, to leak it, and then take it back so quickly, more so than Kyler Murray being dealt with this. Yes, uh, Marcus Mariota performing very well in training camp. So far, so good. Let's hope he has a very good season to help Atlanta get back to where they used to be. And uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is discussing is uh, uh, is discussing the Brittany Griner offer with uh, top Russian dis- diplomats. They're they're listening. They're willing to listen. As this case moves along. And that part of it really makes it more, thinking more positive about the outcome that they are listening. I'm hoping that's true, hoping it's accurate, and I'm hoping they're not going to make it harder than it needs to be where it's already been like that uh, for so long for her staying over there. Right. So just a little while ago, we heard that they were actually open to talking. And now I see here that uh, Secretary of State uh, Blinken said he did speak with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Talked to him by phone today, and he urged Moscow to accept the U.S. offer to release the two Americans, Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, uh, in Russia. Now, they didn't provide any details, as they should, you know, they should not, and they would not wanted to. But he did say, I urged Foreign Minister Lavrov to move forward with that proposal. So that's all we know, but uh, they are talking which has got to be great news for Brittany Griner, her wife, and her family and friends as well. The Russian prisoner that we have here, I understand, was actually portrayed by Nicolas Cage in the movie Lord of War. It's about the Russian guy that's been dealing with all this who was in prison. Now, I haven't seen the movie. The arms uh, dealer, yeah, yeah. Right, the arms dealer. I haven't seen it, but that was kind of interesting. I mean, this is the trial's supposed to end today. I still don't understand. I know Russia's so different. The trial's supposed to end today, but meanwhile we kept hearing – Still have heard that she's supposed to be kept there until like December 20th, whatever that date is. If the trial ends today, why would that take so long, which is really depressing for all involved. This news, though, makes you feel a little bit more hopeful that she can get home soon. I I hope it ends soon, and we kind of heard it was going to end like this anyway. Not end like this, but result in a trade offer. And I know some people are against that. It's a tough situation, but these innocent people from the United States and Russia deserve to be sent home. Yeah. And hopefully they the, will. Uh, 
Actually, you know what? Here, here's big news that we have not brought up. The Mega Millions jackpot. It's uh, tonight's Mega Millions jackpot. It's gotten bigger. Now it's worth more than $1.1 billion and rising. It's the second biggest lottery jackpot ever up for grabs. So if you take the cash option, meaning you want just one check up front, $648 million before taxes. $648 million. I don't know how much that is a year if you don't take the lump sum. But, I mean, unless you're 20 years old and you get it, why? I would take the 600. I mean, at our age, it's easy decision, an easy decision. You take the 625, because if you take it year by year, you probably wouldn't get that much uh, based on how long we'll live. But that would be a nice, nice gift. And some, sometimes these <laughs> things are split amongst two or three people that have the same right, right. numbers in different states. Even if that takes place, I wouldn't be too upset about getting only $200 million or whatever it would be. That would still be a nice consolation prize. I had heard read something the other day, and I um, it was a fast food restaurant, uh, you know, a chain, a national chain. I don't remember which one. They bought all of their employees yeah. one ticket to this lottery. <laughs> 50,000 <laughs> tickets. The, yeah, 50,000 tickets they bought. And so basically what they're, what they're doing is like, hey, hopefully one of you guys quits your job at our place because that's what you do, right? If you won $648 million, would you quit your job? Eventually. not Maybe not tomorrow, but, I mean, you would have a different lifestyle. You, you wouldn't – nothing about your job could upset you, let's put it that way, because you have all the money in the world that if you have a bad day at work, you can buy happiness. They say money can't buy happiness. <laughs> that kind of money can buy happiness, I would think. Yeah, I'll go the other Rich way Rich people that. say money can't buy happiness. Yeah. That's who says it – you know, it doesn't complete you as a human being, of course not. But when, yeah, I, I just think I would stay working, but I would just be a jerk. Oh, wait, I am that now and I'm poor. <laughs> yeah, about to say. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, I know this, I'm just reading a if story. The, the boss would about... say, hey, we need, we need this, we need this, uh, your deadline's Friday. I said, I'll do it Monday. What do you think of that? Eh? Right. Monday you'll get it. And that's if I'm feel like giving it to you on monday <laughs> i was reading a story before i mean this is still that one point one it's been going so on bad. Building for it's a... like is that the real me i'm I'm, gonna, I'm a rebel inside i don't want to well, listen to authority <laughs> well that would be an example of money changing people and you know you can't you can't fault anybody for that because that that's i mean winning a million dollars would be great i'd be happy with that when i go back east i buy the scratch hey, i'd be happy somebody gave me a thousand bucks yeah, I'd love that too. I I won a hundred dollars once, and that was the most. But my goal is to win the five thousand dollars a month for life. That's the one. I'm not being greedy. I'm not trying to get the one point one because I know that's going to be a little <laughs> tough. But five thousand a month for life—that would be great. And I mentioned how my where my mother lives, the maintenance worker there, won a million dollars two years or three years ago, and he quit immediately. Won a million dollars and he retired. Well, because he was a maintenance worker, and that can't be the you know that's probably hard work. But uh, the um, hey, shout out to Raymond. No, Raymond uh, is listening in. He just gave us a he gave us a text. Hi, hi to Raymond. He's playing some golf today. But um, oh, I thought he won the lottery. You were going to say <laughs> no. But the think of how, what's sad is there are so many stories, and isn't it the majority of the people who yes. win the lottery end up broke very very soon afterwards? I or I had, it's yeah. people who win the lottery. And then everyone they know is, like, asking them for money. 
family members they haven't seen in 20 years. Yes. Hey, could you help me out? And then there was somebody that – there was an NFL player, and he was rich. And I saw a story somewhere a few years ago, and his sister kept coming over to his house saying, give me money. You owe me because you're my brother. And somebody, it was somebody just finally had to say no. Sister never talked to him again. Wasn't it Tyron Smith, the offensive lineman out of USC with Dallas? I don't know who it was. But I believe some, it was. It was with Dallas. Whatever, whatever it was, family members wouldn't talk to him anymore because he wouldn't keep giving them money. That's yeah. crazy. It anyway. is. The odds for winning this lottery right now are one in three hundred and two million five hundred and seventy-five thousand and change. But there's a couple of stories just saying what you were talking about. This lady named J- uh, Jay Summers in 1988. This man, excuse me, won five million dollars in Michigan. He was at 20 years old, the state's youngest lottery winner, and he put money in a trust fund with the trustees who embezzled two million dollars from him. And to pay it to, he went to NASCAR, he went into NASCAR, and that was fun, but expensive. It cost him 200000 a year. Little by little, the money left. A lot of people have had really bad luck, and they've either been robbed or they've invested poorly and been with scammers and have lost the money that way. There's a long history of that, which is really amazing and sad at the same time. Hunter Hughes uh, from Hawaii Football Now, the podcast, also our new UH football sideline reporter. Joins us in about 10 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. I know he's been up at University of Hawaii football practice. That is uh, coming up momentarily. And, oh, I think Random Man is on the phone. Random Man? Hey, good morning, guys. How's hey. Happy Friday. Hi. How's it? Happy I Friday. If, I was wondering if you guys can take it on the UH practice field because uh, they're looking pretty spirited out there. You know, and to have what Bobby Curran did for the last couple of years, I think you guys will do a great job at the uh, Clarence T.C. Ching Field at practice. What yeah, we were guys? talking about that earlier. If we can get uh, um, we can get somebody to arrange that, we'll go do our show uh, or show or two uh, from the practice fields. That would be really, really cool. It's just that um, it's a long day because I went there by eight o'clock. They uh-huh. finished their uh, first. Reps, you know, they started at 6.45, and they had another session from, like, 8.45 to 10.45. So it's a long day for the coaches, but it looks like the players are excited. Uh, you know, people are – I see a lot of uh, fans out at the – you know, just watching practice. So I think it's it's going to be great, I think, in a couple of weeks where we get to see the new Timmy Chang era against uh, SEC team. Yeah, what do you what do you guys think? Yeah, no, it's going to I mean, be. Hey, Alabama. Randy, have a great have a great Aloha Alabama. Have a great Aloha Friday. Thank you for calling in, brother. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I, I we just have to be patient. You have to be patient as a fan. There's so much hype and so much positiveness heading into the season. Win or lose, if we can keep that enthusiasm, I think it will be better off in the end. I hope people, if your team isn't, you know isn't undefeated that they get all upset and start going oh humbug change the coach all of that we everyone's in the know who know this stuff is just saying hey you gotta be patient fans tend to do that when teams aren't doing well to me 
because of what we've been dealt with the last few years with the loss of sports, whether it's just overall or being able to attend, I'm hoping even more so fans will be patient. I mean, fans get to go to the games in full capacity all season long for the first time in three years. It's going to be a smaller venue, so hopefully we'll get big crowds. But I hope the fans aren't going to turn on this team if they have a couple of losses. It'll be a process. I think in the long run it's going to be great. And to have an off season after the beginning of the off season in January, to have it turned around like this, and I know it's not a game being won or played, I think it really says a lot about this team, the program, and UH in general, that they were able to achieve that much. I didn't think that was going to happen that quickly after what we went through with the previous regime, and right now, at least it has off the field. Yeah. Hey, Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420, and I want to, let's see here, we were talking about, here's one from, uh, we, we, we didn't get any, respond to any last hour. Uh, talking about the worst franchise in NFL history, the Lions, the texter says from the 254. The Lions are the worst franchise in NFL history. Two winless seasons and one playoff win in 55 years earns you that dubious distinction. One playoff win in 55 years. That should be a way to say which is the most disappointing franchise. Go back 50 years, and I think if you have, you'd probably have to start with the teams that have never made a Super Bowl. It's a short list. Detroit, Cleveland, ja- uh, Jacksonville, I, are those the only three that haven't made the playoffs? There's not a lot of teams. I mean, not, not well, the, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, the, okay. the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Uh, that that says a lot right there. And if you have even less appearances in a playoff, like Detroit, as the texter says, or victory, I think that would put them on the list. At least my New York Jets, not only winning the most important Super Bowl of all time, yes, I said it, but they were in the AFC Championship game the first two years of Rex Ryan. And yes, it was 12 years ago. They haven't been in the playoffs uh, since 2015, the longest drought in the NFL right now. But I think Detroit has to be near the top of that list, if not at the top. Okay, uh, here's one. I don't know where the response is. It's, it's He's got a $30 million signing bonus, and I'll get to that. <laughs> but There's it, a lot it of goes TMZ on to say, about Zach Wilson. The big news is Zach Wilson sleeping with his mom's friend. What? Yeah. There's been so much TMZ stuff about it. He broke up with his girlfriend. His ex-girlfriend is going with his friend, and he's going out with a guy's mother, allegedly. His mother was all over Instagram when he got drafted. Jack tried to buy her off Instagram. I don't know how much of it is true, and I, I, I hate reading those stories. It doesn't matter about that as far as his football performance. I'm more concerned with the interceptions he's thrown the last two days in practice and last season. Maybe the off-field stuff is affecting him on the field. Who knows? Uh, next texter writes in, at the end of his Titans playing days, Marcus, we were talking about how Marcus is doing pretty good in training camp so far, early on, yes. Uh, Marcus was known as Check Down Charlie. Seems to be afraid to take risks at deep throws. I hope he succeeds with the Falcons, though. That's coming from Eddie. Check Down Charlie. I was talking about earlier, too, about we've got produced some great linemen from the state of Hawaii in the NFL, and I couldn't think of any kind of skill players, even star players like Manti Teo or some of these other guys that just, you know, didn't last or reach expectations. And this is a good text. Uh, it says, what about Chris uh, Ma'afala? Chris Fu'amatu, you're a bad Ma'afala. Yes. He was, a, you know, he was a fullback for the Steelers. He played seven years in the league. I mean, that's double of what running backs last nowadays in the league. So he played 
uh, most of his years for the Steelers, last couple of years uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I mean, he was he was a fullback, so he wouldn't have the you know the carries that another running back would have. I mean, his entire career, I think he ran for nine hundred something yards, but um, when he did. He was, uh, you know, he averaged over four yards a carry. And he was, you know what, he was, because of Chris Berman's nickname for him and him always appearing on the highlights, just so Berman could say, you're a bad <laughs> ma'afala. He was a, he was a star. I, I oh, take yeah. that back. I think I think Chris Fuamatu Ma'afala was somebody from Hawaii who was a star as a skill player in the NFL. Did he win a Super Bowl with Pittsburgh? Was he on one of those teams? You know, I don't remember. He played from 98 to 2002, so those five seasons, and they did not win a Super Bowl in that time. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys in 95, and then they won again. I believe the next time they won was 2005, Ben Roethlisberger's second year. Chris Kimoyatu, you was on one of the Super Bowl teams, right? Chris Kaomot, yeah, he was a Super Bowl guy. Okay, okay. Uh, but he had to retire early because of uh, uh, kidney problems, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, somebody did text in at 732 and said, uh, let's talk about football, not golf. I guess we talked about golf. The Live Golf Tour is just a, fascinating to me. Uh, lots of texts. Uh, here's one. It says, oh, Gary, Mike Thomas on the men's basketball He's an assistant coach with men's basketball at UH. Has resigned. He returned to California. Reasons stated were personal. Uh, and that's according to Spectrum News. The bad news, as school is about to start soon, he was a good up-and-coming coach coming off his first year. Mike was very smart, caring, articulate individual. He will be missed immensely. And with the need to have diversity on the staff, Iran will need to find a uh, a, a coach of color in short order? I don't think that's the way they look for coaches at the University of Hawaii. If you're talking about diversity at the university, and you don't look at it as an athletic department, you look at it as, as your company, is it an equal opportunity employer? Oh, yeah. This is Hawaii. There's plenty of, let's use, the, I hate the word people of color, but there's plenty of people of color, whether they're black, brown, yellow, purple, red they're all employed by the university of hawaii so i I don't think that's a very fair statement yeah say it about mike personal reasons we wish him well gibson johnson left in the offseason to get a job uh in utah i believe so those two guys are gone and hopefully they'll get somebody qualified pretty soon to fill the spots right on uh somebody texts in thoughts and prayers for bobby prayers to you bobby curran uh thank you uh this texter says for that great interview and Hawaiian history lesson, go Bows. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, this next one's about Brittany Griner. Griner doesn't stand for the national anthem. Now she wants the U.S. to help. Hypocrite. Ouch. Yeah, I don't like that. I didn't know she didn't stand either, but I'm, I'm assuming he's correct there, but still. Well, I mean, I think everyone's an opinion to the, uh, entitled to their opinion. Yeah. And uh, think about it. But if you're saying this country does a lot of bad things that I disagree with, it, it, I, I can see how somebody would go, oh, really? You're putting the country down? Now you're in trouble? And only our country can help you out. 
when you talk about putting our country down, we can go live in Russia. Oh, that's what you are doing behind bars. And we're going to cut. I can see how someone would say yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It's a tough one, You don't one, have to agree though. with it, but I can yeah. see how some yeah. people would say it. Uh, okay, okay, here's one. This is an old-timer. you got to be an old-timer, Brian. We're talking about skill players or non-linemen stars in the NFL. This is a great, this is a great example. Jarris White played for the uh, from Radford. Yeah. Played for the then Redskins. Didn't he also play for the Dolphins too? I thought he played for two teams. But Brian, thank you for that text. That's a great one. Uh, let's see. Somebody else is saying, "Hey Gary, former UH player, now assistant coach Mike Thomas just resigns." Any thoughts on who should be the new hires for the assistants? Perhaps Brandon Spearman, who recently stopped playing pro, pro ball and wants to coach. Who do you think should replace Mike Thomas, the texter wants to know? I haven't thought about it. I know Brandon was playing in Qatar a few months ago. We, we tried to get him on our show, but the phones couldn't work. I didn't know he retired. I don't know if it necessarily has to be a former player. I just trust, again, Iran to make the right choice. There's not as many options in August as there would have been in March when the season ended. Everybody's looking for jobs. All right. Uh, Tanner just texted us. He thinks Rich Miano should be the coach. Is that what that text is, Tanner? No, I was talking about former players in the NFL that lasted a little bit. Oh, Rich Miano. Oh, okay. Rich, I looked at his text late. Tanner says Rich Miano would be another non-lineman that, um, you know, he played 10 seasons in the NFL, and uh, Rich Miano had a great career. That's a good one, too. How about I Adrian Morell? I hope didn't hear the first segment. Yeah, Adrian Morell was, uh, he was, he got 1,000 yards a couple of seasons. Mm. More of a journeyman, but he was a 1,000-yard rusher. I believe he did make a Pro Bowl as well. I wonder what Adrian Morell is up to nowadays. Anyway, we're over time. Got to get a traffic check. And we're going to talk UH football with Hunter Hughes from Hawaii Football Now. That's coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, I got something. Wait, before you uh, hit the traffic report, I want to tell you about this big deal we got going on. This is the first time we're doing this. It's the first ever really big road show. Uh, we're all going to be live in person at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. That's Kanoa Leahy, Josh Pacheco, myself, Charlie Wade. Gary's going to be on vacation for this one. He'll be back for the next one. Charlie Wade's going to join us. Scotty Scott's going to be down there. Coach Nugum, uh, Bud is going to be there. We're going to salute the 92 Rainbow Warrior football team and a lot more. All live on location, all of us, at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. It's Tuesday, August 9th from 3 to 6 p.m. While you're there, enjoy. Uh, <laughs> they've got... Enjoy 94 beers and seltzers on tap. Now, you won't be able to try all of them, but uh, you've got a great, great variety there. We'll see you for the really big road show from ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. Football season is here. Game against Vanderbilt coming up on August 27th. 
practice has started, and today is day three, and we are joined by somebody here who's at practice right now, former Rainbow Warrior. You have the podcast, Hawaii Football Now, with Hunter Hughes and Jordan Helle, and, of course, our new sideline reporter for UH Football on ESPN, Honolulu. Hunter Hughes at practice joining us. Hunter, thanks again for joining us. What is the biggest takeaway from today's action so far? Oh, man, it's just good to have football back, guys. Just like listening to Brada is in the morning. Thank you for playing uh, that right there. It's just good to be back and uh, just have football in Hawaii again, man. It's been too long. How is it different in your uh, vantage point, I guess? I know you've been there, I believe, every day this week with the split practices. When you played, everybody, like almost every team I've ever watched or heard about, plays as one team. But Timmy has a really interesting perspective on splitting it up and giving more reps to people, but it does take a longer amount of time. What has that been like? Yeah, it's a really interesting um, sort of strategy. And um, for, for those listening at home, they've basically split the team in half. Um, ones and threes are together, um, so that's the first team and the third team, as well as the second half of practice is the second team. And so the strategy there is to allow transfers and the newcomers, the freshmen, more opportunity to get quality reps. Because when the whole team is together, you only have a mm. certain amount of time for everybody to get a chance to touch the football. So, you know, um, uh, positions like quarterback, receiver, running back, that requires a lot of repetitions to get honed in on the scheme, to get everybody on the same page. This strategy allows for those guys to kind of come up to speed quicker. And I've, I've never seen it done this way before, but I honestly, I'm a fan. And from talking with the guys, they're a fan too, because they, they get more opportunity to compete for those, those jobs. You know, he was mentioning to us the other day on the radio that uh, it's something he picked up from Nevada when you couldn't have everybody together because of the pandemic. But what I believe it was Coach Chang said, that if, when the practices are too long, you don't retain as much. It's much yeah. more effective to have short practices uh, and and more reps, like you were saying. But I think it's a it's a probably going to be maybe a trend of the future at other places, too. It really makes sense. It does. And w- w- when you look at a, a football practice, there's no need – especially at this point of the fall camp, to have the big boys out there hitting each other, you know, mm-hmm. actually doing full contact um, for a three-and-a-half-hour-long practice. And especially this time of year in Hawaii, it's hot. Um, the sun is intense. And you can only do that for so long. Training camp is a month long to get ready for the season. So I'm, I'm completely on the same page with them there, where um, a lot of that time is taken up in individual drills and if the guys are ready, I, I understand that that's where coaches get to do more position-specific um, uh, teaching, but it's somewhat not necessary. And if you split practice up, you have a much more refined um, approach to, uh, to giving those guys reps. So I, I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Hughes from Hawaii Football Now and uh, University of Hawaii uh, football sideline reporter coming up this season here with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. What's going to be kind of fun, though, is if you're – and I, I've seen you, like, in the background on the television news reports, and you're there a lot, <laughs> is seeing guys, you know, maybe move from the number fours, all of a sudden they're practicing with the threes to the twos, right? I mean, that's kind of kind, yeah. kind of cool to, to be able to watch. It is, and it, it's, got, it's an interesting dynamic because the first day – 
Um, the twos were the early practice, starting around seven. And then the second practice, so the ones and the threes, that one had Brendan Shager, uh, Cam and Cooper. Um, I was, you know, kind of joking with the guys. I'm like, I guess, you know, if you play better, you get to sleep in. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that, that's kind of the, uh, the idea. But then they flipped it around the second day. So um, the early guys were the second group and then vice versa. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic where – which practice you are playing at is kind of telling where you're at on the depth chart, even though coach has been very transparent about not naming a starter or having any indication of where their depth chart is. It's kind of telling what, where practice is at. And I guess a lot of people are curious about the quarterback position that you kind of just alluded to. So I'm wondering, I know it's only day three, but have any quarterbacks moved up from the threes to the twos or the twos to the ones? So I, I wouldn't say there's been too much movement as of right now, Gary. Um, you know, we're only in day two, so there's only so much that they can really oh. accomplish at this point of practice. Uh, the guys aren't really padded up just yet, so they're, we're not doing full contact um, team uh, segments just yet. And so, if anything, I, I got to see the guys in one-on-ones, um, and so you can kind of see – Who's been, who's been working hard? Who's got their timing? You know, one person who's impressed me a lot is Jake Farrell. And mm. um, I bring him up specifically because in the spring, he was still a, just a preferred walk-on. And they actually have given him a full-ride scholarship heading into this fall. And in my mind, that's the coaching staff saying, hey, we believe in you. You are, um, you know, one of those guys we believe can compete for this job, and here's a scholarship to prove it. I've been very impressed with his kind of poise and demeanor heading into the fall. And you know what's great? He's only a sophomore, too. That's right. We know they're going to be practicing on Saturday night starting at 545. Is that just trying to simulate game night when they have the home games at 6 o'clock as well? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. But, you know, one thing that people don't uh, see is is how long uh, a typical fall camp day is. You, you get to the, the facility somewhere around 545. You get, you know, taped up, ready to go. And whether it be lifting, watching film, meeting with coaches, eating team meals, uh, team-wide meetings, you don't get out of the facility till about 8, 9 o'clock at night and got to do it all over again the next day. So that's a little bit of a strategy, not just for the players, but the coaches, too, to get a little bit of rest um, at least one of the days during the week. So if they, they kind of change that up, um, the, you're, you're allowing for them to kind of catch their breath at the end of the week. Has anybody else impressed you early on? Well, uh, that, that, that transfer from Missouri State, I think his name is uh, Jamal Murray, our tight end. Tight end. And, and Jordan, uh, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Um, an absolute unit over there. Um, <laughs> uh, time will tell if, if he has the film to be able to go to the next level, but just from, uh, they call it uh, passing the eye test. He absolutely mm-hmm. passes the eye test, and it's difficult to make Chris Brown look small, Coach Chris Brown, <laughs> but uh, uh, Mr. Murray's doing a fine job of it. Wow. We, have, we know the practices are open this year. How about the fans that have been showing up so far? It's been really good. Uh, one thing I would love to kind of just broadcast to everyone, they, they take um, this very seriously. Please, no photos, no video. You're more than welcome mm-hmm. to come to practice, but um, – any way that we can keep what we're doing here in Hawaii and not on the internet gives us the best advantage heading into Vanderbilt. So one guy got yelled at, but uh, other than that, uh, (laughs) it's been fantastic. 
Can't wait for the season to start. We look forward to having you on again. Can't can you wait. Give us, can you give us an update on the uh, Hawaii Football Now podcast? What is coming up next? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, me and uh, my, my partner, Jordan Helle, we just, uh, um, I believe today we're, or yesterday, we released episode number 48. And uh, we've Woo! got uh, something in store for episode 50. I think we're going to get Timmy Chang on there. So we're really excited for that in uh, two weeks' time. Can you give us, while we have you on the air, can you talk yeah. about anything regarding shakas and swings and tell folks absolutely. what that is going to be? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the fine folks at ESPN Honolulu uh, felt like I did a, a decent enough job with uh, the football podcast, and we are going <laughs> to try our luck at a golf one. And uh, that's exactly right, Chris. It's called Shakas and Swings, uh, a, a, a Hawaii golf podcast. We're going to talk a little golf a little living in Hawaii, kind of a lifestyle, um, just uh, enjoying life in Hawaii and playing a little bit of golf. And uh, it's not just golfers, it's, it's athletes, it's people in culture. Uh, our first guest is Roman De Peralta, a.k.a. Kolohe Kai. Great time playing golf with him and just picking his, picking his brain because, hey, Chris, a lot of people have picked up the game of golf since COVID, so it's, uh, it's sure. a great time to start something like this. Right on. All right, brother. Thank you for joining us, Hunter, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Hunter. Right on, guys. Have a great Friday. All right. That's a good brother right there, Hunter Hughes. Uh, catch him with Jordan Haley on Hawaii Football Now. He's got another podcast coming very, very soon. And you'll hear him on the sidelines of University of Hawaii broadcasts as well. For folks that don't remember, remember when Coach Rolo offered a scholarship to somebody at the WWE at the Blaisdell? That was Hunter Hughes right. back then, so it's a very cool guy. You know, he mentions Jordan Murray, the transfer from Missouri State, and that's not the first time I've heard of this. Was it Was it like the Phil Steele or a Athlon preseason fourth-team Mountain West guy, something like that? Jordan Murray's name came up, and we're like, he hasn't even played yet. Why is he on it? Apparently, everybody's talking about the 6'5", 240-pound football player. Unfortunately, he's just a senior, but this is a guy that uh, folks are going to be uh, looking out for. I saw the Mountain West Wire put their all-conference honorable mention players out, and Murray is amongst them. In fact, Hawaii had more a, players yeah. mentioned than anybody else in the Mountain West, maybe because they didn't have anybody in the fir- as many on the first and second team, but they did talk about him a little bit, saying how, how the expectations are high for him. Also, uh, I see here that Dior Scott on the fall camp roster is listed as a uh, wide receiver. Dior Scott. Interesting. Running back last year, as we remember, that's interesting. I know uh, uh, there's a couple of players that are missing from the roster that we expected to be there. Koa, uh, I'm trying to remember his last name from St. Louis, the receiver, uh, Nashigaya. Nishigaya? Nishigaya, yeah, he is not, not on, on the here? roster. He, he's not on the roster. What somebody, I don't know. Somebody brought it up to us in a text the other day, and I checked, and he is not on the roster. And there's another uh, player as well that we thought would be there. Uh, uh, the, I'll get his name in a second. Another player that is not there that we thought would be on the roster. So maybe that's why Dior Scott moved back. Oh, well, while you Stephen think about Fiso, it. But... Stephen Fiso was the other one. Oh, okay, tight end. Yes, but he listed as a receiver, and he, uh, again, I saw a depth chart a month ago from a, one of the websites that had him listed as a starter as a wideout, and he is not on the roster right now for some reason. Well, wow, okay. Well, hopefully everything's okay with those guys. All right, we're really late. We're running behind, partially because it's National Chicken Wing Day, <laughs> partially because UH football camp talk, can't get enough of it. But I uh, want to let folks know about uh, this going on. 
It's some pretty important news here about kupuna safety. It's our the Hawaii Department of Health wants to help reduce falls and fall-related injuries amongst our kupuna. So we've got three easy steps here. Review medications, get an eye exam annually, get a personal electronic safety device, at home remove fall hazards and improve lighting, and exercise daily to improve balance. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. And at this time, still nobody has won the $1.1 billion Mega Millions jackpot. We'll keep you posted. I hope it's – I wish there was somebody here. I wish we had a lottery here. That would be even better. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. We'll get into the stadium and the rail first. That would make too much sense. Yeah, right. That would make too much sense. You know, as we're talking so much football today, I was just thinking about this a few minutes ago. This is the last weekend of no football till mid-January. Next Friday, a week from today, we have the NFL Hall of Fame game, the Raiders and Jacksonville. It's only one game that week. Still, we got football every weekend starting next week. And preseason football, for various reasons, I think, are the most popular of any of the sports preseason. Maybe the gambling aspect comes into play as well. But that has a nice ring to it, knowing that next week we have NFL and every week after that until college starts and just four weeks from tomorrow with week zero. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, let's go to the Zephyr Insurance text line for a few minutes at 808-296-1420. And uh, somebody did reconfirm that for the uh, Mega Millions jackpot, it was Raising Cane's that bought 50,000 tickets to give to uh, one each to uh, all of their employees, I guess. So hopefully maybe that would be uh, very, very cool. Um, here's another one. T- texter asks, and thank you for listening. Um, is Saturday's practice on the grass field, or is it T.C. Ching, Saturday's practice? From what I understand, everything is at T.C. Ching. Mm-hmm. No? And uh, we got a text from uh, your boss, and he says that uh, the Hall of Fame game is Thursday, not Friday. He said to do your homework and pay attention. Um, I and, think... and he said you're a dumb, too. I think that's wrong. Can we get Josh Pacheco on the air, please, Tanner Hayworth? Is he in the other room? All right. And Tanner says that it's on the grass fields during the week. It'll be at T.C. Ching Complex on Saturday night. Thank you very much for that. I guess he's not there. (laughs) I'm going, to, I'm going to try to go to tomorrow's practice. I like the fact that they're having Saturday night practices, and I think that's going to be even maybe more enjoyable for some of the fans. It gets done pretty early as well. And if people mm-hmm. have things they're doing during the week, like work or school, for Saturday night, that's going to be even better, if I think, for the fan turnout. You know what I like about Saturday? Now you have somewhere to sit at the grass practice yeah. fields. You know, for some people, shaped like me, it's hard to sit on the ground and get up. <laughs> okay, Josh Pacheco is going to clear up Hall of Fame game. Josh? Yeah, the Hall of Fame game is on Thursday uh, between Jacksonville and Las Vegas. Uh, It's uh, on national television, and it's on our sister station, CBS 1500. Kickoff's 2 o'clock. 
And then you said Gary was dumb? <laughs> I'm silent on that. Why is he using radio voice? <laughs> I have, I swear I have seen it listed on Friday. It's my what? birthday, so I remembered it was that day, but somehow. Oh, it's I your birthday on Friday? Yes, yes. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Did we just ruin your birthday by not having a football game on that day? Not really. Well, uh, getting up at 4.30 really in the morning, a, Mike, but. <laughs> it's not really a football game, though, is it? That's very true. But, it, but it's something, it's something, and I, Keegan has the same birthday, by the way, as myself. That it's just that the fact that we have football back preseason shouldn't mean anything, but the fact that we have a football game to watch to me, I'm, this is my opinion. I rather watch an NFL preseason game than a USFL game and a CFL game. I'm, that's just how I feel. By the way, anytime the Jaguars play, it's not a football game. That's a good point as well. <laughs> and any chance the Raiders have a chance to lose a game, I like that even more. Hey, cut it out! That's my third favorite team. <laughs> also, Josh Josh McDaniels today was. Very livid with the offensive linemen screaming at them and putting on a scene, according to reports from some of their media people on Twitter. Well, that's what happens. You know, listen. Yeah. That's what you get. All right. Uh, it's 848 of the Sports Animals. We'll be back to wrap it up next. Thanks, Josh, on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app. It's Aloha Friday. No work till Monday. Do 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 billion dollars i saw a video during the break on twitter someplace in nevada there's literally two to three hundred people online waiting for a store to open so they could buy their ticket for tonight's drawing they're online well. on their computers well yeah, they're, they're in line at a store they're standing on a line some people might call in a line but anyway they're thought, on a line yeah. there, there's a line on the ground that they're standing on Exactly, exactly. It's like when you say get in the plane, you say, no way, I'm getting on. You <laughs> say one. get on the plane, you say, no way, I'm getting in the plane. Let the daredevils get on the plane. <laughs> you're right, you're right. I just also saw a video of Deshaun Watson working out with Cleveland in seven-on-seven drills today. And I know you said earlier in the show there's not going to be a decision today. They came out and said that. We heard last week would maybe be the day. This is not there to Cleveland. Tw- 29 I really days. 29 days since the hearings. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I know they're probably exploring all the legal aspects to make sure whatever suspension they give him might not be able to be challenged or maybe won in an appeal or anything like that. But four mm. weeks should be enough. And, again, it's just not fair to Cleveland. It's just not fair to them. I mean, for Watson, I mean, he has to deal with this on his own. I, I don't know why it would take this long. I wish the NFL would have a sense of urgency and just fairness to the Cleveland Browns. because They've already said if well, whenever he is NFL. out, it's going to be this Jacoby Brissett. Is- well, this yes. is an independent party right. that the NFL, they have to make sure, it's basically you have to make sure you come up with your decision. The reason you came up with your decision, make it super easy for everyone to read so they understand your decision, and that's what you were saying, so you can't appeal it. And the NFL hires these independent people. They've done that for you. Mary Jo White is one of the ones they've had several times. When they hire somebody to conduct an investigation that's independent and supposedly unbiased, I don't buy that. You're getting paid by these people. They might have a little influence on how you judge or rule in some of these suspensions. Either way, they just got to do something quick on this. It's just not Right. right that it's dragged on. The NFL is asking for 
a, a one-year ban. They're recommending a one-year ban. So this person has to come out, and what she has to do is explain, you know, all the stuff I just said, but you really have to be explaining this is why, the reason why it's a four-game ban, it's a six-game ban, or it's a one-year ban. But what, what it doesn't, I, what, even though, I mean, this is your job. This is what you need to do. I mean, we're not talking about building Aloha Stadium here. We're talking about listening to all the facts and then coming out with a uh, with a decision. And it shouldn't take a month. And it's going to be over a month when it comes out. That's inexcusable. And, and if it takes this long, they know that they should have had the investigation two months ago. I mean, just in fairness, it's just it's just not right. And, I, I, again, I don't care about Deshaun Watson, how it plays out for him as much as the Cleveland Browns who are innocent in this. And they've already said Jacoby Brissett is their starter when he is suspended. Some people think it only might be four games. Other people think uh, it'll be a year. All right, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy is coming up at 12 noon today. Josh Pacheco at 3 o'clock. We'll see you bright and early Monday morning on ESPN Honolulu.